Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, episode 72. John, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantabulous, sir. How are you doing tonight? That's a, you're popping out the big words early. Fantabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I learned I don't know. somewhere. I don't even think it's a fucking word. <laughs> I don't think I'm fantabulous, but uh, I'll take fabulous for today, I guess. We put the fan and fantabulous around here, folks. <laughs> Doing all right, though. Uh, we are covering tonight's GCW's My Name Is from the Harpost Theater in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, that is the only show we are covering tonight. It feels nice to be able to cover one show and not three like last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This time it's uh, a little more relaxed. We're going to go through the matches a little more in depth than we did the last episode. We're going to be kind of back to our original format. Yes. And uh I know you have pretty short remarks, and I see it, and I'm excited to hear this one, and I'm excited for the little tidbit later as well. Perfect. Okay, so um, I want to go ahead and get one thing out of the way here. Uh, Dave Prezak and Veda Scott were on commentary, so I wanted to make sure we at least mention them. They are part of the show. <clears throat> Let me go ahead and clear my throat for this wonderful part here. I know everybody really appreciated hearing that. That may have claimed. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about Harpo's Theater. This is a uh, historic theater built in 1939, originally called the Harper Theater. It was a movie theater. It featured an art modern style and seated about 2,000 people. The original sign that's out front, that marquee, is still there today. It's an 80-foot sign. Um, it was um, only adjusted to save money from Harpers to Harpos. Just letting anyone know, they did a little... They didn't have the money. I mean, so there's there's a deeper story where um, they did a lot of things to cut costs up to and including they had some hideous curtains and things in that place that they had to sit on for years before they were able to really um, replace them. So, yeah, it's <laughs> that's interesting. interesting. That, like they didn't save too much money on those letters. It's still uh, still six letters over there. <laughs> Harpo's Harper. I know they they tried. <laughs> they tried, you know, um, but. It was a uh, it was turned into a disco club in 1976 and then eventually turned into a rock club in 1979. So we were talking a little bit about the inside and how, uh, you know, they were adjusting things. They had issues running electricity from the front of the building to the back to support the stage, because being a theater, there really wasn't much of a stage. So you see that high raised stage there. They did that because they were having issues with wiring underneath. And normally that stage wouldn't have been that high. So if you actually look when they're when they're fighting near the stage, it's like above their heads. A normal stage doesn't go that high, period, especially as a, like a movie theater. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, excuse me. Wow. Um, so there have been some fantastic recordings uh, that have come through that place. There have been uh, warrants. Corrosion of Conformity, Black Label Society, and Hatebreed have all basically recorded videos or um, some form of audio live at this venue. So just for fun, I kind of compiled a couple acts that have been at the venue. And for some metal fans, rock fans, and even some hip-hop fans, they're going to hear some familiar names here. The names were huge, but these are the ones that kind of stuck out to me because they were a little more familiar to me. So we have acts like Slayer, King Diamond, U2, Devo, Blue Oyster Cult, Slaughter, Danzig, White Zombie, Joan Jett, 
Cinderella, Slipknot, Seven Dust, Coal Chamber, System of Down, Poison, Stained, Power Man 5000, Cannibal Corpse, Demiborg Gear, Disturbed, Fear Factory, Guar, Avenged Sevenfold, Sepultura, Behemoth, Trivium, Amana Marth, Fear Factory, Meshuga, Anthrax, Head PE, Gojira, Dragon Force, All That Remains, Ministry, Prong, Overkill, Misfit, Static X, KMFDM, Black Dahlia Murder, Mushroom Head, Chimera Creator, God Forbid, White Chapel, and Jelly Roll. I had to put Jelly Roll in there. That's my dude. <laughs> I like um, that one. I have a much smaller hip hop list, but these are just the important ones. We had ICP, Snoop Dogg, LL Cool J, Run DMC, Salt and Peppa, Vanilla Ice, Twisted Cottonmouth Kings, Machine Gun Kelly, and Three Six Mafia. Oh, so that's that's a little bit of the background and what we have on Harpo. So I hope that gives just a little bit more. Just hopefully, people just appreciate Harpo's just a little more, knowing that's who's been in that building and that's what's went on inside those inside those walls. Now, sometimes I'm and here I might get confused. Does this have like the that little colored LED floor, like the dance floor? Or am I thinking of the San Francisco area? Where, like, oh no, they, no, no, no! Was Harpo's? Okay, this Harpo's. is okay. the floor. So funny thing, even when it was turned into a metal club, it was like the elephant in the room that they still had this white light up. Well, this white floor that could have lit up at any time if they wanted to. So that necessarily wasn't done for rock shows. Yeah, but. It was always available. And I think one time for a wrestling show, they've been turned on. Yeah, they were on one of the GCW shows. I remember seeing, I, I, I want to say it was like SGC because they were fighting in the crowd. And I just remember seeing like the different lights and squares lighting up. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool and funny to see. But I, I want to say that might have been the first Harpo shows. They might probably were just trying to show off the cool little dance floor area that they had. Well, I mean, where else are you going to be able to do that? You, know, right? you can't do that in the back of a brewery. Yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe a cool brewery might have something like that. <laughs> maybe Tony Dippins uh, should add that. <laughs> so, well, now it's not a, it's not above Deppin to do something like that. I wouldn't see why, man. If it makes money, people would come in 100%. Yeah. Get fucked up and look at the floor. <laughs> <laughs> get even more messed up looking at the floor. <laughs> yep. That was a good little hard post. I always, I, when I remember hard post, I... That uh, the floor is what I mostly remember, but then like when you were saying that, I was like, "Oh shit, was that Harpo's or San Francisco?" But I just remember some first time I seen it, I liked it, and I thought they should kind of do more spots out there to kind of show off the floor, at least one time a show to kind of show it off. Oh, I love it, man! I uh, I'm really surprised they've come here that many times, but now that I kind of look back on the history, I get it. Yeah, I like it. This is one of the funner venues I enjoy whenever they do go there. Um, especially funny, it's like as we'll talk about probably in the main event, the uh, no stage diving and the first thing people do when they get there, stage diving. It's like, well, we're not going to release it to the sign. Did you see Speedball like specifically stood right on top of the sign? Yep. Was. <laughs> yeah. Good shit, Speedy. That was, and I like how Veda, I got him Veda, Speedy. And Veda uh, pointed it out too, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh my gosh! All right, so we've got a we've got a nice show ahead of us here, huh? You were pretty happy with it, right? I enjoyed it, yeah. Actually, like some of the matches that I didn't really have too much expectations, uh, not uh, horrible expectation, but like just a, I thought it was just going to be a match, end up being like really, really good, and kind of told a pretty cool stories uh, during the match that could lead to hopefully something down the line. But overall, yeah, this was a I loved the show, and uh, we will get right into it as the first match is a 
traditional six-way scramble as Jordan Oliver, Adrian Alanis, Caleb Connolly, Jimmy Lloyd, Rico Gonzalez, and Shane Mercer are the competitors. Nice to not have a random six-person asshole than Charles Mason coming out and ruin it and picking up all the straps. <laughs> so I was uh, happy when I saw the sixth competitor finally in the ring. And I enjoyed this scramble match. A lot of fun spots uh, throughout this scramble match, which I enjoyed that. Uh, haven't seen in a while or in other promotions uh is when i kind of used to see something similar but it was nice to see uh caleb conley again like he just i enjoy seeing him like i i don't know i I mean i guess i do know why impact made him a a manager but i just enjoy his in-ring like i just don't understand how you could keep him out of the ring but i was happy to see him and adrian alanis was a new one to me which i don't mind i actually kind of would like to see a little bit more of him to kind of see uh what else he could provide and as far as his moveset goes and uh, telling a story in the ring and whatnot. All right. So Mercer to me, he's like the big dog in the ring and he opened up by just pissing all over it to show dominance. He basically just went over and grabbed a hold of Rico and just threw him the fuck across the ring. That was just how everything started. It was a great opening. Uh, Jordan at one spot had a nice triple Boston crab. The only way I can say is you have to kind of see that to understand it. Adrian, I would say he had a good showing. I'm with you. I need to see more. Um, Conley, I wrote that he's strong, great agility. He's 39 years old. I would love to see him in a singles match after what we saw at the scramble here. Jimmy, all I had was, as always, he was there in the background lurking. And I wrote that I feel he steps out of the way so others can shine. That's how I felt. Also, nice job, Scarlett, for refusing to count shoulders that weren't down on the mat, even though the wrestlers wanted you to. Uh, Two spots here. Rico flew out of nowhere and put both knees into Adrian's chest, which created an awesome holy shit chant. And I also want to say Rico was bringing the excitement in this match. He gave a lot of crap and took a lot of crap. Also, the Mercer moonsault and battery on Rico was just awesome. The last two minutes of this match was basically Rico just getting ragdolled everywhere. Our ending here was Jordan Oliver with an acid bomb on Rico for the win. So our winner here, Jordan Oliver. I wrote in my notes just to finish up. Everyone delivered. The action never ended. We could have used just a little more Jimmy, but I think even Jimmy's okay with that for some reason. So... (laughs) I seriously, I think he's um, he's not very selfish. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. That's why I was kind of I find it funny whenever Brett on the GCW podcast is like saying that Jimmy's always asking for like title shots or trying to pitch himself into these big time matches. Like, I I mean, I can also see him doing that as well. But when in the ring action happens, he does kind of, as you said, stay out of the way and let others shine. But when it's his turn to make the other wrestler shine, he does a very good job of that as well. Um. Going back to that Rico spot, did you see where he came from? Because like yeah. I was trying to see, did he come from the state or the, a stage oh, area? Yeah, he okay, came that's... From off the stage. That's just the camera didn't catch it, or production didn't switch cameras in time to catch it. But I kind of liked it because surprise, yeah, just a fucking body from across the. You know, it was. Beautiful. I was I was the same way. I had to rewind it because I was like, wait, he didn't come from the top rope. Where did he come from? And then like. You see him flying in, and then the angle they show like the kind of the aftermath. You could kind of see the stage, and that's where I was wondering if that's where he jumped from. That was pretty fun. 
Uh, that was one of the funner spots in the match. I love that three-person torture crab too, and I like how uh, that called it the torture crab instead of like the Boston crab. I, I enjoyed like his little little tweaks there to the moves to make it kind of more uh, authentic to the wrestler, or as like in Jordan's case, kind of paying homage to uh, Trent Acid with the acid bomb and the acid kick and stuff. I like how Tate Brazek doesn't just call it the generic name that everyone else does. He calls it still what it was kind of known for and by the wrestler that started it. So let's see here. We have Jordan. I could have actually used him in a uh, JCW championship match in Detroit. I thought that would have been really freaking cool because, I mean, geez, I don't know. Maybe... Why not Caleb Conley? Give him a shot at it just for fun. He knows his I, shit. He looks good, polished. I was surprised that Jordan was in the scramble just to begin with as a singles competitor. Like following up on like that, I was like, oh, he's in there, not defending the belt. Like I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I like it, but I think if you're the belt, a singles champion holder, you should be. If you're going to be in a match, either like defending it instead of just in a scramble, because the scramble feels like. It should be there to showcase either lesser known talents or talents that you maybe don't have a match for on the card. But to throw like the singles champion on there was kind of uh, odd to me that I didn't really get. I was happy he was in it, more than happy that he won because I always question these scrambles on who's going to win. And then with him being the champion, I was kind of thinking he would win, but um, I wasn't quite sure uh, <laughs> as the match was kind of playing out. I was like, is this going to be one of those Shane Mercer moments? And also Rico, as you said, yeah. I think Rico got a lot of offense in, but then also got tossed around a lot. Like he was kind of like the the person, the focal, most focal person in the ring being tossed around and getting all these spots to get into. But I did, I was happy to see more of him because we, I've been, I think we've both been saying we've been wanting to see a little bit more of him uh, yeah. every time we see him in the Atlanta shows and stuff like that. Yeah, I really would like to see a heck of a lot more of him. So we're getting our wish here, and I'm pretty happy with that for sure. Yeah, um, I I was happy with that scramble. Okay, so just for fun here, I was like trying to go back one year, and I'm trying to see if I can go back one year or close to one year. Let's see. Let's go to Back to the Bay 2022. I'm going to see if there's a scramble in here. Damn, there's not. One of the few shows that I picked from a year ago that doesn't <laughs> Okay, so the reason why I was doing this was because I wanted to go see what an average scramble looked like and how they've developed. Are you ready for a seven-way scramble? This is from GCW You Wouldn't Understand. Right? That's New York that City. Probably, yeah. Oh, that was New York City, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this may be heightened here, but... Here's who your seven-way scramble has in it. One year ago, Blake Christian, Alec Price, Cole Radrick, Jack Cartwheel, John Wayne Murdoch, Jordan Oliver, Commander. That is where these young guys who, you know, that's, yeah. So I was really surprised Jordan Oliver was in it, and I have no problem with it. But he's got two championships on his head. I'd like to see him use them. I, I agree with you. If you're going to, especially as a singles competitor, you're going to have them. And even if not, like I, I wouldn't want that belt being defended in a scramble, but we've seen like the extreme belts defended in scrambles before too. So I don't know. I don't hate it. I don't mind it. No. It was, was kind of odd to me. That's what it kind of well, boiled down to. I thought, you know, let's be fair. He may have an injury and he's not able to go 10, 15 minutes alone with someone else. And, you know, maybe he's good for two, three minutes and roll out. Yeah, that's could be. You know what I mean? So it could be that all the way down to even just 
who knows? But I was just thinking maybe an injury is keeping him sidelined right now. Um, the lack of East West is a little rough on the show, not having them on because there's a there's an exciting spot that's not there anymore for now. So, you know, and we'll talk about this LA show coming up. I'm I'm thinking we may or may not have it out by Friday. Yeah, it should so, be out by Friday. Um, you know, I was looking to see Leo Rush in LA and then I can they kind of changed that up. Yeah, he's on an injury. Yeah, he's he's okay. injured. I hope he feels better soon. The kid gets injured a lot. Yeah, but at least he's like at least we're seeing a lot more of him too, which I'm happy and I'm glad it's all over the place too. You get to see a bunch of different stylistic matchups that he's been wrestling in all over the world and country. It's uh, been fun. I'm glad he's actually doing kind of an independent kind of run. I'm happy that he picked GCW and we're able to see him. Yes, that always too. Yeah. Yeah, back in the day, I was so excited when he signed with AEW and then just shit out after that one performance. Oh, because that <laughs> one performance was so damn good. I've always been so a fan good. of Leo Rush since Ring of Honor days. Like, I've loved him. And like, I didn't even know he was in ZZW. And then when we started doing this ZZW watches, watch alongs, we kind of I see his name pop up all over the place. And I'm like, shit. So now I got more stuff to go back and watch from him. But I always have enjoyed Leo Rush, and I'm I was I'm glad he's is back in GCW and working with them as well. Um, oh, good. No, no, no. You actually had a thought. I was thinking of something <laughs> different. I was going to say one last point on this match that I enjoyed was Jordan once again winning with a different finisher move. Like it's not his finisher; it's an acid bomb, it's an acid kick. Could be the torture crab. It'd be the clout cutter. I I just love how you never know when the match is going in. Like I was actually kind of surprised when the acid bomb hit. I was like, oh, I loved it, but I didn't think it was going to be the finish. And uh, surprisingly, it wasn't. I'm glad that uh, he, it makes him feel unpredictable, which is perfect uh, for a singles competitor. So let's see here. Uh, yeah, Alanis and Caleb Conley. If we could get those back, Rico. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jimmy yeah. Lloyd was the quietest in this match. I, I stick to my notes on that one there because I, I even look back and I'm like, uh, there was one or two things he did. They were so minor, I didn't write them down, but past that. I like the one little move he did to Rico. Like it kind of looked like he was gonna like kind of he lifted him up and like looked like it was gonna be a choke slam, but then caught him and then turned it into like a like just that slammed one. him face first. Yeah, that, that was a pretty cool spot. Cause I went back and rewinded, like, what did he do? Was that a botch? And I was like, no, that was like perfectly set up. It was pretty it was a pretty cool move. Dude, and it was snappy too. Like yeah. it was it was well done from the beginning. Uh <laughs> Jimmy has his moments of good and bad. I love him. Yeah, love him. for sure. You know, like at Fourth of July, he might, you know, throw someone onto a table on the on the leg portion. And then, <laughs> you know, the next time he's executing something beautiful like that. So, you know, you, you're going to get either an explosion on the ground or explosion in the sky. And you only really want the fireworks to go off in the sky. So, um, yeah. Anything else you can think of in this one? I mean, it was just it was a good day for Rico. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I'm glad he showed out and. Glad Jordan got the win. I thought that was a strong way to uh, start this Detroit show. That will lead us to match number two as Alec Price goes against Masha Slamovich. I kind of shocked they ran this back so quick. Like, it feels like they just wrestled a few months ago. And now I say that I'm probably going to be, it's been a while, but like, I think I did look it up and it, it was literally just a few months ago they wrestled. Huh. Um, so I was kind of surprised, A, and that happened, but then, um, B, when it gets to like the winner, I kind of was like, ah, I, I think it kind of stunted some stuff that could have possibly would have been cool going forward. Uh, but as far as injuring goes, this was pretty brutal. Like Alex was stiff with her. And of course, Masha's going to return the favor and 
Uh, give her, give this stiff. Str- uh, oh my goodness, give her him the stiff strike. I feel you, brother. Back I feel you. Jesus, man. Oh, it's just your turn first. My turn's uh, coming. Don't worry. <laughs> talking all day at school now. Now I'm starting to repeat myself here as well. Um, I enjoyed this match though because it like it was a different intensity, which I'm glad to see from Alec Price. What I felt though from Alec Price was he was kind of. Just because I know that everyone was going to chant for Masha, he is the heel, kind of just by default there. But he kind of went overboard to make sure that the crowd did not cheer him on and definitely booed him. Yeah. And I loved how he went out of his way to egg the fans on and talk shit to them. And I th- and also just the way he kind of tossed Masha around was also uh, pretty heelish and brutal as well. That got the crowd uh, definitely behind Masha. Yeah, he's good at it. That's the best, you know, he's just good at it. And... um it works. So from what I saw, Price basically started early with just stalling, 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 stalling. Crowd answers with you're a pussy. Then they basically get on him with you can't wrestle, which was fun. They really they were really riding him wonderfully. Uh, it was a fast paced match, though. It had the speed you'd normally see from like a cruiserweight match from back in the day. But that pace not it, it was maintained throughout the whole match it was a lot better the pace was a lot better than i expected there was a lot less bs and a lot more action and i really enjoyed that um there was a funny little chant of um or no it wasn't a chant i'm so sorry it was somebody yelling out twist his dick i thought that was great <laughs> uh, a wonderful spot masha had a great kick out at two after a coast to coast from Spr- uh, i almost said from sprite from price where did Sprite come from? I'm guessing, sli- yeah. Oh, that's I'm drinking Sprite right now. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, you got your <laughs> scissor out early, huh? Is that- <laughs> See, he didn't say no. Um, no. Price tries to int- intimidate the referee, Adam Galt, but Galt wasn't taking any shit in this match. I'm very proud of him for that. Masha with an air raid crash, but only gets two. We have GCW chance coming from the crowd into our ending. Masha with a surprise kick into a power bomb for three. Our winner in this one is Masha Slamovich. Um, yeah, we have Alec Price kind of coming out of the uh, coming out of the scramble and into the singles here, and I, I kind of like seeing that. Oh, I'm all for seeing that. I was said I I think he deserves some sort of push here, maybe. Um, depending on what happens on homecoming week, if Jordan ends up losing to Griffin, which I wouldn't be surprised seeing him lose to Griffin and kind of maybe that sets Jordan up for maybe something bigger down the line. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing Alec Price start chasing after, uh, Griffin McCoy for that JCW title. I think that'd be really cool. Well, I'm not absolutely against it whatsoever. Uh, let's see. Masha's on an upward trajectory. It looks like she's also getting another shot at the championship here. What's your thoughts? Not liking it. I mean, it makes sense. Well, give me your pluses and minuses, because I kind of have mine set in stone. I I know you're really good at kind of tearing apart pluses, and you know what I mean? So give me the negatives and positives there. What do you think? uh, The positive is she wasn't beaten clean for it, and I think she deserves a fair one-on-one match against Blake. But we've seen the same thing happen with Cardona and Moxley, where... Mox or Cardona was the champion. Moxley came out, beat him in two seconds, and Cardona never got his rematch against Moxley. So, and that's a way bigger match, and that's still a matchup I don't know why or how or we haven't seen it on GCW, especially when Moxley was the champion. I thought that would have been two 
big ass names in professional wrestling wrestling for GCW title. Uh, a ball dropped in that situation, but I just don't think that Basha should be thrown in there right away based off of everything else. Like this goes on to kind of like, like I said, my booking with the wins and losses and stuff like she's earned the wins and I think she does deserve a rematch, but if other people can't get a rematch for whatever reason, whether it be, Hey, we booked this match a month ago, you're wrestling for the belt. And then within that month, the champion loses the belt. And never mind, this match is still happening, but it's not for the belt no more. So I, that's where I just disagree with how they're booking and stuff. And I would prefer Masha to be kind of away from the title scene at the moment. I would like to see Blake do some fresh opponents that there's a lot out there that he still can do with GCW specifically. And if that happens after Masha, then I'm fine with it. But I just don't see Masha jump in the line. Uh, other than she never got her original, uh, like straight one-on-one matchup. Okay. I'm going to expand upon that. And you and I kind of talked about this ahead of time. If Masha gets a rematch, so does Nick Gage. Because Masha lost dirty, so did Gage. That's how Masha got her championship was, uh, you know, we had our boy kind of come into the ring there and kind of hit Gage and Masha was there for it and blah, blah, blah. And just like that, we have a new champion. Where's where's Gage's chance at uh, that championship again? I think what I'm asking for is consistency. And I think I think what you're kind of leading to is like, hey, like you can't do can't say no, it's not happening one way for one person and have it happen again. And then very clearly try to justify it when it is that there's no reasoning for it. Now, now I'll, I'll be fair, you know, Gage would have also said, this is my last championship run. So therefore he may have said, that's my last run. Why challenge to do it again? So, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and so I, I try to look at all these sides, just like, you know, every time someone's not at the show, we're like, oh, they're injured. you know, maybe it's just a, you know, a hundred other things going on. Maybe they're at a different company that night. You never know. Yeah, I, I just I, I think there's other names right now more deserving. So if Masha gets it and loses, then I'm hoping Blake moves on to all these other names that we've been talking about over these last couple months of who could challenge for the belt and who would be a good next champion. I think there's plenty out there that could be done before you go back and rehash something that you've already done. That's why I'm kind of giving the benefit of the doubt. Like, hey, Masha never had the one on one. She didn't lose it fairly. So I get that part. But then as, as I told you, I was like, wait. Cardona never got one. Why didn't he get one? So I just, I just want consistency and like continued continuity of like stories and stuff like that. That's what I usually kind of fall back on. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that if someone smaller like Adam Priest can get a shot, I think Tony Deppin's return match should be a title shot against Blake. I mean, and and AC, that's that's where it started. The Blake turn was with Tony Deppin. Mm-hmm. Shit, was it homecoming last year even like it might have been homecoming when all this Possibly, started last yeah. year or like the new year oh it might have been the new year's eve show because whenever cardona had the wedding one of those whatever those nights yeah. it might, that, i think it might have been homecoming even too but the that would have been made sense like tony deppin mm-hmm. fought against blake that's when the crowd turned on him and his comeback in new jersey would be I, that's what I was kind of hoping for when I didn't see any title match announced for homecoming. And then like Tony Deppin was, kind of, I was kind of hoping a like, surprise, maybe like an open challenge. And then we hear we built this city and the crowd just fucking go nuts. Yes. Like I had a whole book in my mind that way, but I think Tony Deppin absolutely deserves a title shot for sure. And it makes sense with him because 
Well, uh, Blake won that match with some bullshit roll up. So that and that's another uh-huh. they started booing him. But I was gonna say, hey, Tony Deppin has the victory of him, but he doesn't. But he absolutely deserves it, just as much as Masha would, or Adam Priest would, or anyone else. So um, I'm just I'm I think I'm kind of starting to lean relax on me getting upset at future title shots. Like whoever gets it just gets it at this point. I guess there's there's no sense of me sitting there trying to dissect it when obviously no one else is. So I'm just now looking whatever title matches are announced, looking forward to it. But I was a little disappointed that they're going back to Masha again so fast. Especially for it. homecoming, their biggest match, the biggest shows of the year. I don't know. Who's he up against at homecoming? You know? Who? Like Masha. Oh, oh shit! I'm sorry. I thought that was L.A. No, in L.A. he's going against Chris Bay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's. Uh, well, you know, they haven't stopped the storyline. So. In in this okay. match, I was really hoping <laughs> Alec would kind of get the victory to kind of start pushing him towards maybe he would be an awesome challenge. Build the the chase. Start building him with some wins. Start turning him. Getting the crowd behind him, and the crowd would definitely get behind Alec Price over Blake Christian, and then. Have him win out east somewhere. Have him win him. Have him win at Fest. I think that'd be an incredible scene of it. Yeah. Uh, Alec Price beating Blake Christian at Fett for the belt. Like I, I just think they could have built something. Like that's why when I was saw this match and was watching it, that's what I was kind of hoping for. Was hey, Blake's gonna pick up a victory over the world champ, former world champion, and it's gonna lead to something. But um, I that's not happening. Of. <laughs> uh, We'll and talk Blake. about Blake Christian later tonight. Oh, I will talk about Blake Christian later tonight because I do have some interesting things to talk about there for sure. Yeah, and Alec, Ma- and Alec Price and Masha did wrestle against each other in uh, May. <laughs> so it is another matchup. This, yeah, th- this uh, went back. So overall, good matchup. Though. I love I loved the physicality in the match. I loved just the nonstop striking and the stiffness of it. It felt rear, felt like there was animosity there. And I think that's why I enjoyed it because everything just felt more intense than normal. I'm still not against Alec Price going in East West. We'll just have to have East East. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and I always find it funny too. Whenever they go against each other, there is like a battle. It's always been like on the East Coast, like always in Jersey. That uh, maybe not the specifically showboat, but um, even even in other companies they wrestled. And it's like we got the Northeast Beast and the East. East Coast days. East like, Coast this days, is the yeah. battle for the East Coast every single time they wrestle them. Those two are actually phenomenal too. That would those two could be lifelong uh rivals and always have matches like my King and Commander, and I'd be down for it because they Alec and Jordan always put on incredible entertaining matchups. Well, you've got the age and then the similar body type, and they just have similar appeal. It just it works. So Oh man, 11 and a half minutes. And I think they put on a decent show for us. I, I'm not generally into Masha. What sold me on this match though, was again, that match pace. I was really happy to see something that wasn't laying on the ground and breathing for 20 seconds at a time. Yeah. And I, I just love the intensity of it. I just said the pacing, the match was, it was really good. All right. Our next matchup of the evening, which is another one I was really looking forward to. The debut of Violence is Forever, Dominic Garini and Kevin Koo. Well, I guess it's not their debut. Well, they praise that kind of mentioned it was per se their actual, uh, what do you say, GCW proper debut is what he called it. I try to remember that <laughs> thing because that's why I always get like, we wrestled for GCW. Oh, no, it was a black label pro. But I guess GCW mm-hmm. proper is the correct way to say it. So properly making their GCW debut, Violence is Forever going against Los Macisos, Ciclope, Miedo, Extremo. 
this matchup was perfect for me. I was in like I was all in this match. I uh I enjoyed it. I everything from Violence is Forever's entrance to the crowd singing to them kind of bailing out and letting the crowd sing the song and from production wise and not cutting over them was awesome. They delivered in ring, I think, pretty good against Los Macisos. There was a couple uh, maybe one spot sticking out in my head that maybe could have gone a little cleaner, but that's not, not here or there. And I don't knock that on violence of forever. And I want to see this as like a feud, a tag feud, because there was some animosity. It felt like even with these two uh, teams going at it, there felt like, hey, this is my, uh, th- like, Los Macisos, like, this is our company. Like, you're not going to come in and destroy us. And violence is forever is like, watch us. Like, we've done it everywhere else. We're going to do it here. And I just loved, once again, the intensity that violence is forever brought. And this was a fun, fun matchup. It even got a little crazier than I expected as well. I love it. All right. So if everybody wants to, I'd say just sit back and relax for a minute because we spoke a little bit about Harpos. Now we're going to talk a little bit about those Ribera jackets that Los Macisos came out in that they just received. So Ribera is a popular steakhouse in Japan. Ribera means riverbank in Japanese. It was founded in 1972, and it only seats 10 people at a time. The prices run between about $20 to $40 a steak. So the prices are really good there. So for $400, they do have a try their meat challenge. It's seven pounds in meat, a bunch of rice, and under 30 minutes. So I'm sure wrestlers love that challenge. I, I, I want to yeah. try that challenge. Do you think you could do it? Like that's seven, seven pounds. pounds. That's a lot. No, but I'd Ooh. go down swinging. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go down puking. Exactly. Uh, God damn, I'll be like a volcano out there. Just, ah, totally worth it though. I'll be like doggy bag this shit. Not nothing. <laughs> yeah, just doggy right? bag the rest. We're eating at the house. Um, you, ever, you ever got like a to- tomahawk steak before? No. Those are like those giant ones. Yeah. That yeah. Kind of, okay. We, like me and my wife went and we got the tomahawk thing and it was like incredible like we touched half of it <laughs> yeah the whole yeah. thing and i don't think that was seven pounds either oh my gosh yeah um i like to watch some of the people on tv that do the food challenges i don't know like beard meets food and katina eats kilos and randy santel like i'm not sponsored obviously by anybody <laughs> but these are some of the people we actually watch at dinner time because it's fun they do great challenges and they don't make it look gross. You know how usually when it's big eating, it's like disgusting. And no, no, no. These are just people eating large amounts of food without shit getting all over themselves. Um, okay. So back to, <laughs> back to the story here. I've, I kind of got out on a branch there. So, We're talking about food. That's very easily distracting for, uh, I, I'm telling you <laughs> for me, at least <laughs> the, um, so yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, me too. I, I wasn't going to admit it, but uh, you know, I'm, I've eaten a couple times before, if you can tell. I literally, uh, like, is my mouth is watered. Like you said, like, I see that $100. Like, I want that fucking, I want to try that challenge now. Like, just yeah, for, you're doing even the if math, I fail, like, it's $100. $100 for it ain't bad. Like, I spent $100. Like, even you said $20 to $40 for steak. That's, like, kind of a nice steakhouse out here. Like, we kind of go to on oh, yeah. special occasions and stuff. But, like, I would go down there to try it out. Well, yeah, $30, $35, $40 can get you a steak out here that's just really, really good. Yeah, I don't frequent those places. I'm not that fancy, but I know it's out here. <laughs> I really don't like I don't go to the strip. I don't go to a lot of those places too often. It's just not for me. I'm not no shit. I'm not a city person. Yeah, the city. I'm at my age. The city still intimidates me. That, that's a whole <laughs> other subject for another time. But like, yeah, I don't know my people around me. Like it's a little different. You're around strangers and different. 
because I come from a small town where you know everybody. Yeah, yeah. All right. So back to the story here. So in the uh, in the late 70s, mid 70s, the Gaijin, the wrestlers that were the Americans that came over, they grew tired of the Japanese diet. And sometimes they wanted a nice American steak. But in Japan, steak was considered a delicacy. Well, looking around one time, Bruiser Brody found this hole in the wall that served steak, called it Ribera. Brody enjoyed his food so much that he kept going back and bringing friends with him, like Stan Hansen, a bunch of other wrestlers. Brody asked the owner if he had any merchandise for sale because he was such a fan. He unfortunately did not. The owner, however, Norikazu Yamaguchi, made Brody a jacket with the restaurant's logo and offered it as a gift to him. Bruiser Brody was so proud. He wore the jacket all over in Japan and was often photographed wearing it. He basically became a walking billboard for the steakhouse that appeared in countless magazines and newspapers. Uh, wrestlers from near and far would see pictures of Brody and Hanson wearing Ribera jackets and wanted to see for themselves what all the craze was about. Many people would ask to purchase the famed jacket, but it was not for sale and to this day still is not. It had to be gifted to you by the owner or manager, as was the case with Bruiser Brody long ago. This is a tradition. It stays a tradition. Funny thing, there have been a small handful of wrestlers who've actually complained because they went there to eat and did not get their jacket. That's shitty. And there have been quite a few wrestlers that have come down on those wrestlers who complain and say, listen, you don't understand. The tradition is much larger than anything you could possibly, you know, just basically they're saying, shut the fuck up. This is something traditional for wrestling. And either you got a fucking jacket or you didn't keep working. I think that's the best way to put it. But yeah, this funny little thing is what kicked off the whole craze. And so from there, everybody doesn't make it in Japan unless they have that jacket. And on top of that, pre-internet, it was a great way for an American wrestler to go back to America, throw on that jacket and be like, yeah, I went to Japan, man. I fucking made it. Big deal. Yeah, that's kind of disappointing. Disappointed on my end because I didn't I didn't know you couldn't uh, buy those jackets because I was like man that'd be if I guess that like we were talking about beforehand like I if I ever went to Japan I do want to try out that place but I didn't know it was like one of those literal like holes in the wall which that people I thought it was like a nicer restaurant but I didn't know also you couldn't buy the jacket that gave it to you but that's that makes perfect sense and I actually do like it that way because then when you do see a wrestler have it you know they kind of like earned it or has earned their respect Correct. out there stuff like that I do like that's pretty cool. And, you know, it's it's Japan, so it's riddled with tradition. That's the tradition of it. The first one's given to you. I like that. You know, yeah, it has an honor sure. system to it a little bit. You know, either you, you can't just go in there and be like, well, man, here's here's 50 bucks. Give me the fucking jacket. Yeah, I know. I think that makes it even now more cool when you see, like, for me now, I know if someone gets them, like, oh, they didn't buy it. They actually were given it, so uh, yes. they've, they've earned it out there. So... As much as pro wrestling has integrated itself into the steakhouse, it hasn't been all good business between wrestling and Ribera. Uh, Yamaguchi said that some pro wrestlers in the past would get drunk and start fights with other wrestlers and customers. But that kind of passed over time. Despite the few bad apples, uh, the place became so popular that Yamaguchi ended up opening up a bigger place. It's a second Ribera's about 20 minutes from the original. It's just a 20 minute walk. 
but it has become a rite of passage for any foreign wrestler traveling to Japan to frequent Ribera's and get one of those jackets if they're fortunate enough to get one. There we go. A little bit of a story on Ribera's and hopefully someone learned a little something somewhere. I absolutely did. Because like, that's a place I never really looked into. I just heard of it. I knew it was a steakhouse, but I never knew anything else about it, like the price and everything. So uh, I definitely learned a lot there. And thank you for sharing that because that was actually very cool. Okay, so you ready for this one? Let's tie it in a little further. So one of the Jacksons from um, the Young Bucks are allergic to fish. And when they were in Japan, what's the Japanese diet primarily? Fish. So Ribera's actually like saved them quite a few times Uh, because they needed to go eat something without fish in it. And it's hard to find protein in Japan outside of beans and fish. Interesting. 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 Bullshit, huh? Yeah. I guess I'm actually like really cool. Like that's, that was all that information was cool. Cause I didn't know anything about it. I just knew it was a place that wrestlers go to. And I kind of would wanted to go to there too, just to try it out and see what all the, Hubaloo is all about and uh, try it out. And I wanted to buy a jacket, but that's not going to happen. Well, we're going to put together our own little video package. We'll have to put our heads on like Randy Orton and shit like that. <laughs> and we'll go over there with our camera and be like, pro wrestling. And I'll just show them like, <laughs> that means pro wrestling in Japan. So I don't think I, well, in Japanese, but uh, I don't know. I said it the best I could. So um, some of the names that we've pronounced. <laughs> We have fucked up some names, my friend, and that just happens now. <laughs> All right, so we did have a match going on. So, um, yeah, Violence is Forever versus Los Macisos. This was a very quick start. There was no bell. Everyone was fighting with their freaking entrance gear still on. The first half of the match had a lot of two-on-two. Miedo and Garini had matching shoulder braces, but on different arms. Did you see that? Oh, I, I, I mentioned see it now. Stupid yeah. Shit. Yeah, they have matching like... braces. Oh, my goodness. Violence <laughs> uh, Forever at one point found two doors and four chairs under the ring, and they tried to build a double board br- a door bridge. Only one was made. There was a nice spot where Ciclope was on Miedo's shoulders, and they superplexed Kevin Koo through the door bridge. So I'll just kind of go to the ending because it's almost more about impressions than it is anything for me. The ending was uh, Garini holding Miedo in the air as Kevin Koo kicks him in the freaking head. Our winners in this one, violence is forever. Talk to me, my friend. Uh, great debut. I like... I know uh, your little comment there next is kind of one that I was sitting on when I noticed it. And go for it, it. Go for it. I'm, I'm taking it out. See, it didn't exist. Look at that. All right. So, uh, yeah, at the end, Violence of Forever <laughs> just kind of sat there and kind of like patted their hands down. It's like, really? That's it? Who's next? Like, they did treat Los Macistos like light work. And uh, I enjoyed it just because that makes them look strong. And I think they need that. And I, I, I think they could easily defeat East West Express. And it would absolutely make sense. And I wouldn't even be mad about it because Violence is Forever is, I think, top three in my opinion on independent wrestling other like i'm taking east west express out of the equation for tag teams i think violence is forever is top three if not top one in independent wrestling right now in tag team so i'm glad to have wow. them in gcw yeah i i mean my favorites i i'll be uh you love them you love them. no I'm i love them this. Yeah. i like it i like it yeah i love them like i actually kind of i like uh main events and uh waves and curls and then i violence is forever like they're all offered, well, 
offer something a little different. So I think that's why like I kind of grouped those three together because I think they're incredible tag teams for the independent scene right now and doing some fun and good matches. And they each, like I said, add their own little difference thing to it that makes it stand out for me. So I enjoyed this match for what it was. And as you said, it was a showcase to uh, get the fans to know and learn a little bit about violence is forever. And I, I wouldn't, I, I could see them skyrocketing right to like the championships just because of what I know from them. And I wouldn't be mad at it. And I think I would actually look forward to it just because they are, I think they've definitely earned it over the last few years on the independent scene. You know, it's just really interesting because I still have yet to see more than five or six matches. So for me, I'm still watching. What I do like is the fact that they work so well together. They have a lot of tandem offense that they use. I appreciate that. That's the point of a tag team is to have things like that because that's unique to them. Singles people can't pull it off and tag teams don't like crapping on each other's moves. So I mean, it's kind of a nice atmosphere to be in with tag teams if you think about it, because there's still a lot of things that can be done out there. You know, in singles categories, the human body can only do so many things. So having a second body really can make your offense completely change. Um, going back to Violence is Forever, though, with their attitude there, uh, Los Macisos go to shake hands and Violence is Forever gives them the middle finger and walks off. I like it. I like the attitude. It fits GCW. I am uh, I'm interested in seeing more. It seems like they're um, GCW tough. Do they do death matches sometimes? I don't think I've ever seen them in a quote unquote death match. And that's what my next point I was going to say is I haven't seen a lot of them either. But what I've I've maybe seen, I want to say 30, 40 minutes. I've seen a, enough of them to know what they are. I don't yeah. think I've ever really seen them use doors and chairs like that other than like unless the match called for it so when they went out and kind of grabbed the, the tables and the doors i was kind of like shocked and i was like a little disappointed too because i was kind of hoping they would like do the opposite like los macisos would have to bring that in because that's their style and that's the gcwa i was kind of hoping violence was forever would kick that door like how tony deppin does when it's like death matches like don't get that shit out of here we don't need that stuff we're gonna beat you without right. it so i was a little disappointed but kind of happy to see them embrace it they're kind of like oh see is this what you guys want this is what gcw is about we're gonna give you what you want then with your own people there and put them through the table so i i loved their attitude and how they present themselves and carry themselves in the ring out of the ring for the matches and stuff like that they are just a badass tag team and i'm i'm really excited to have them in uh gcw i'm like i think when we first started this podcast if not before the podcast i've been saying like how why aren't they in gcw they're doing everything else not gcw i just didn't understand why they didn't and whatever reason or another i thought they as you said they fit into me they're one of those ones they would fit easily in and i'm just surprised it took them this long to kind of uh get showcased on a gcw proper show and i i do hope that they stay i that's another thing they did just announce i think today they got announced for another show which was uh good to see because i do want to see them staying on a little bit more often to see i want to see them against bussy uh, uh bussy I want to see them against Bussy. I want to see them against SGC. Like that's going to be insane. I want to see them against all these fun tag teams that GCW has, and they're going to fit right in and do a totally different style than what we've been seeing right now in GCW. We've got so much going on. So we have, we're just talking tag teams. We've got what Violence is Forever, East West Express, Los Macisos, SGC. Who else do we have right now? Off the top of your head, can you think of like there is a Mason lot of Taro, wasted yep. youth? Um, yep. 
I mean, they're bringing in like waves and curls, main event. Um, And I wouldn't say they're on call, but they wouldn't say no if they were called on an open night. Yeah. There's a tag team tournament waiting to happen, my friend. I keep I, I yeah, I think there's <laughs> should have been one. I think yeah, we said this a couple months ago that geez, I think, I, I think it was right around the Jacob even <laughs> last episode for sure. Yeah, but I think when we first started talking about the tag team tournament was around the Jacob because we saw how cool that tournament was for the singles, the young singles competitors that were on that tournament, and the, why not do the same thing with the tag team tournament, especially if you yeah. got that talent accessible. Like the Jacob was so cool. Like I just like invested in every match and the way they laid out the matches too it got fans invested for the results of the tournaments and any injuries that they picked up going into the next match and tag team wrestling could do all that and as you've talked about before tag team wrestling offers something that singles doesn't that's more bodies and more stories to tell and more fun and interactive and um not interactive um oh my god um creative ways to do so and i think a tag team tournament would be fucking awesome mm-hmm. fuckers stole my reach for the sky idea <laughs> damn it i thought it was a good one um i did too okay so this kind of jumped in my head and it kind of branched in another way but i'd love to see that ex- same exact jcw situation go down in la just i mean it would have happened with la fights which we don't really have it's it's dormant right now I, I would love to see a J Cup go down in LA. Maybe collective. Yeah. Uh, collective, maybe, you know, in LA. I know this much for sure. When it comes to LA, the collective, and, and this is my opinion, let's just say there's 10 shows on average. I would cut it down to seven and put on better quality shows than just quantity. However, there is the the thought process of, hey man, let's go 10. What are you thinking? about that one did you i mean you went to all of these i was about to say i wouldn't change it for a thing i i okay, enjoy okay. the man i as as you were saying it's that's a once a year thing you're gonna have all this damn talent and if you got the money why not just put on 10 shows and put on different matches and each have their own kind of theme like every yeah. show i went to felt different in its own reason we had blood sport we had the jimmy lloyd all the young talent we jimmy uh joey janela spring break which is like the WrestleMania GCW show of the weekend. Um, Big Gay Brunch and, was, was but, different yeah. than for, for the Culture, which was yep. different than DDT. Yeah. DDT. Yeah. Like I just loved how like each show felt different. Nothing felt the same. Even though like I'm in the same venue, looking at the same shit nonstop, same ring, same apron, same ring. Like I'm looking at the same shit for twelve hours a day. Each show felt different. So I wouldn't change anything on that collective based off of this year and stuff like that. But I think this year they did a better job of individualizing each show where in years past, some of these shows kind of did feel a little bit of the same. Hmm. So I, I wouldn't change anything on my end collectively uh, on the collective, but maybe throw in one show of a tournament if you have so or something. I don't know. I, I, the one thing I really missed, the one negative this year was Planet Death, but I knew oh, once it was announced at that's UCC. That's a sore spot, man. That's a yeah. sore spot with me. We need we need at least one planet death in America. That's the only thing that threw Collective off for me was that. But other than that, Collective was the best wrestling experience I ever had. Like literally, that super 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 fun weekend. Yeah, I I just had to ask you because you went to everything, and I'm like, okay, would you have rather done seven shows that were a touch longer? I mean, you'd still be there, still be in the building. What I was thinking, no, because each show was about three hours. 
Okay. Each okay. show was like about Tantino two and a half, Brothers. three hours. Okay. Yeah, Santino Brothers. Like, that's like it's at every show. Like, Which was literally was different. Santino was the surprising show of me. That was the first one of the weekend. I didn't think that. I had, I actually went and saw a couple uh, clips from their show the other night on Fight TV. Uh, which was pretty cool to see because now I know most of the wrestlers and stuff like that. It's kind of they were following up on kind of what happened at the collective with Boogie Slice and stuff. So I thought it was pretty cool checking them out on Fight TV. And then like Emo Night, like you got Emo. Like I don't know. I liked how I think that I liked it better just because, as you said, like it would be boring if I go to seven shows and like they all kind of feel the same. Like each one yeah. felt different. And so maybe that's why I feel that way. But I understand what you're saying too with like changing up because sometimes quality is more important than quantity and i think that i think that's where they went into joey janelle's spring break because remember that was like five matches yes. for a three-hour show and that was all quality like matches and craziness and good stuff and so like i i don't know i enjoyed collective so going back to our show here okay we've we've exited the detroit area quite a few times so far tonight um i put in my notes nobody kill me after three matches, I noticed the crowd was kind of quiet. Um, some cheers, but it was just mostly quiet. This was noticeable throughout the night, up to and including, I mean, the fans on camera at one point, they weren't standing, they weren't clapping, they weren't really cheering too much. It almost looked like they were just tired, and people can be tired. Also, uh, a loud person or two can kind of make a whole section louder, and quiet people can keep the whole crowd quiet. So maybe that was just the quiet area, but I wanted to say, I noticed it. And generally I do pay attention to it because it does matter. I watch, I watch Cole Roger come out and I know what kind of entrance he put on and it isn't his normal entrance. And part of that I'm noticing from the crowd read was they just didn't have energy for him coming out. And that's completely abnormal for a crowd to have. So I'm thinking maybe there were a lot of non GCW fans in the crowd possibly. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to read. It, it was weird because like Gage didn't even get the huge, huge, huge entry. Like everybody, some people weren't even clapping and I'm going, what the fuck is going on? I don't yeah. know. I mean, we, we know a person that was there. Maybe we should, ask, we could reach out to them oh. and ask like how they felt the crowd was and stuff like that. Like from a, yeah. from in person kind of thing. Cause if we talk about in person, like it was louder shit. Then we get home and watch it. Like what the hell happened? Like, uh-huh. where was the sound? Where's all this the atmosphere that we were sitting in and felt like if maybe yeah, my ears ring, like yeah. my ears ring after the show. Where where's that noise? You know, I get it. I, I think the loudest they got though was singing Violence's Forever song. Like I thought that was cool. Like yeah. I didn't like that. I always like when new talent kind of get their their treatment in GCW the same way that they would anywhere else. So I was glad that they kind of did get that moment as well with that song. All right, that will lead us into our fourth matchup as it is a one-on-one match. Commander versus Joey Janela. I've been looking forward to this match. I think Joey works really good with smaller competitors in Lucha, especially in uh, Commander's uh, sense right now. And Commander, I thought, did a really great job of kind of selling because Joey was kind of on the offense most of this match and. uh Kind of felt like he was sending a message to Commander too. It's like, hey, if you want to keep on making it big, like we're, gonna... I don't know. I felt like he was like stiffing on some of these shots and the way he was treating them, which is fine because he was playing the heel and did the heel work good. But that was just something different I saw from Joey during this match, uh, as the match was kind of playing out. But we didn't see much to Commander's big spots because Joey kind of ruined the ball. But that's one thing I noticed lately. 
And it could be a good thing. When we first saw Commander, it was five, six holy shit spots. Lately, mm-hmm. it's like now two or three, which is all right, fine. It keeps the mystique around him, keeps the aura. And like, hey, when's he going to bust out this move? And mm-hmm. he also is doing different moves. Like when he does these rope walks, you never know if he's going to do the Phoenix Splash, a 450, just a super high and long moonsault. Like I do like how he's varying it up, but I just feel like we're not seeing as much a uh, craziness as we were from commander when we first saw him but maybe that's just how the matches have kind of been laid out over the last couple shows so the wonderful people that are kind enough to listen to us will probably remember that quite a few episodes ago you and i had spoken about how aew had a sit down with commander vikingo and some of these others and said listen you have multi-million dollar bodies and you're shortening your career by doing this to yourself. And they're right. And remember I said they were told to mute it a little, and I was saying, here comes the muting, and more and more he's getting muted down. This is what this is. That's exactly what this is. I saw a Hurricane Rana that should have come off the turnbuckle, and he turned it into an arm drag. I've seen quite a few things. Like, dude, you and I have watched Commander quite a bit. We kind of know what's in his playbook. And every now and then... He's playing it safe now, and so be it. Vikingo, yeah. I'm waiting to see him come back, but he's playing. He's not playing as safe as Commander, but I will we, say that he's dialed it back 10%, 15%. You know what I mean? Yeah, we don't see the uh, parkour Vikingo jumping off of uh, brick walls and onto the stage and everything else anymore that he's uh, been signed with AEW or Ring of Honor, whatever company that he uh, is working for out there more. but. Yeah, that I don't, I don't know. It could be good and bad, like it, the mute, the muting of the moves, because like I said, it's like the one thing that always, and I don't know if I said this, and I don't care if I'm saying it. The one thing that frustrates <laughs> me with Commander, the only thing is like before the match, like in Vegas, he's on the top rope walking across and then moonwalking backwards on it. It's like, doesn't make sense to do it before the show, other unless you're like, hey, look what I could do. This is what you're gonna have to deal with. But yeah, it seems like he's just doing it just to showcase he could do it. But then, like when he does in the match, it takes away from the match. So I just didn't like when he did it. Does that stuff at the beginning? But who did he do it against? Where someone went on the opposite corner and kind of did the same things, like speedball. Speedball. Okay, that was cool because that was kind of like, hey, anything you could do, I could do better, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that I didn't mind, but um. I, I think it could be a good thing of maybe not seeing all the cool moves at once. And then whenever we do see it less often, it will become more memorable and more stick out more in our minds, maybe throughout his matches. Oh my gosh. That was, yeah, there's a lot going on there. And yeah, we have, we have some opinions on commander, really good stuff. Um, speaking of commander has new music. I think I heard, I, I couldn't really, maybe it's just me, but it seemed like it was different or he was given AEW slash ROH music and they're playing that now could very well be yeah. a brand recognition, you know, continuity. Uh, he's given a huge ovation on his entrance. We have Max Rock, uh, recon in the uh, ring as our referee for this one. Janela was out in new gear. It was split kind of half red, half leopard print. So a little bit of daring, a little bit of, you know, who knows? I, I never know what to say about a man in leopard print, but you have to have confidence <laughs> and you have to have a little touch of 80s in you. So he must. Um, all right. So here we go. We have um, a spot that kind of talks a little bit about what you were saying, where you kind of knock commander down a peg. 
what Janela was doing there. So Commander grabs Joey's arms or grabs his arm. He goes to the top rope and he does the spot where he starts jumping on the ropes up and down, up and down. And Joey just straight pushes him off. That makes sense to me. Yep. I'm glad somebody finally did it as well. Like, and I know, I know it sounds like I'm just kind of shooting on commander. I love him. I love everything he does and everything, but these are just like the little things that like I've been kind of noticing that takes away from like the realism a little bit to me. And I, I was so like when Joey pushed him, I'm like, about damn time. Somebody did that to him. Well, I just think it's interesting because if you think about it this way, it's disrespectful to the opponent. And if that's what you're trying to do as a heel, that's fine. But as a face, Yes, it's flashy. Yes, it's nice. But a veteran who's been wrestling a, about as long as you've been eating Cheerios, he's not going to let you stand up there and ho, 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 look at me. Ho, 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 ho. And then, uh-uh. Fuck no. Get the fuck off the ropes. I like, agree. Like a, like a veteran. Like, there still is some psychology in wrestling. And that portion right there, I was happy to see it. Now, did I? am I happy that it happened to Commander and he felt no, 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 no? Not really, but at the same time, it makes a hell of a lot more sense instead of a grown man standing there and you two have to hold hands while he jumps rope. Get the fuck out of here. This is a fight. So it does make sense. Yeah, I've said that a couple of times where like even Vikingo, like, I love these guys. I want keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Just like the little things that we're kind of talking. It's the very, very little things like when the summertime's on Vikingo, like the timing that he does takes to set up some of the moves and stuff, it takes way too long where it does take away. Like, dude, you're the other wrestlers just sitting there. You're making them look bad now because you're taking your time doing your next move, which takes required setup, but it shouldn't take that long. And I think I saw, it might've been even in this match, I didn't make a note of it. One of these matches I saw recently too, it could have been like, hey, it could have been that Joey spot that I thought of. I'm like, hey, some of these moves are taking way too long. Like, you're not going to sit there and, set up five tables and i'm just going to sit on the ring like, i'm going to get up i'm going to fight and hey you could push me back down and knock me back down and then finish the setup but i'm not sitting here for two minutes while this is happening like get up yeah, do something like make it look like realistic not someone sitting there for three minutes and then that's happening so that's just little things that i've noticed in, as a wrestling like just wrestling fan from commander vikingo as of late but i did notice this like i had the same thought i was like thank god finally somebody pushed him down on that spot because that just makes it more realistic to me and that's maybe another thing that should be thought of maybe a little more is that if you're going to go outside the ring and build something for 30, 45 seconds at a time or get something and bring it in the ring and then build it, maybe drop the opponent with a killer fucking move. I'm tired of seeing a fucking, you know, corkscrew tombstone, whatever. And then eight seconds later, they're back up. And then the person goes, well, I need to go out of the ring and get something. So he hits him with a fucking right hand. And the guy goes down for two minutes. I'm like, fuck, what's in that guy's right hand? Mm-hmm. So I agree. So, I mean, just give me a little psychology on that. Drop him with something. Psychology. Big. That's the better word I need to start using. It's like yeah. psychology. Yep. Yeah. Just drop him with something big. Go that route. I think it makes a lot more sense. And what you're saying with setup is a good point. And I, again, we love Commander. We love Vikingo. I'm just going to say with Vikingo, even he'll stand on the top rope for seven seconds to do a, for, to do a split second jump. I've actually watched the guy actually put his hands up and put his hands down like he's getting ready to do gymnastics and then do a breathe, breathe inhale and an exhale. And I'm like, dude, real fighting and real wrestling don't have time for that. You're on TV. Seconds is money. Like they don't have time for you to get up there. Think about it. Set up, blah, blah, blah. Uh-uh. 
So, I mean, those are things that do have to be adjusted because otherwise it's just spot, spot, I think, spot. Yeah, and I think that's up. where wrestling may be going, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Just t- like, I, I guess what I'm saying, like, I love it, still do it. Just tighten it up, in my opinion, is to make it yeah. less downtime, let, make your opponent not look as dumb, and to add some more realism to, as you said, the fight, the wrestling match that you're having. So there were more Joey chants and support than I expected. I thought Commander would have been the face. It kind of turned to half cheers, half boos back and forth. The crowd was really split. Uh, fans were having fun with each other with the dueling yeah chants. I don't know if anyone else had a chance to hear that. That was fun. I don't know if I've actually heard another audience do that before. Not the yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah one side yeah. would go, yeah. The other guys just said, yeah, out of nowhere. It just happened organically. Some asshole said it, and it just yeah, stuck. And I love He's it. not over, though. That's all right. You don't need to push him. He's not over. Right. Just getting chance in, uh, <laughs> and, and oh, no, I'm not going to say what I say. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds bad, but good. So, uh, Commander's offense was more ground-based to match Joey's style. Also, the overall match pace was adjusted, too. This was more Joey. This was not Commander versus Drago Kid. Just, you know, flip fast. Nothing like that. I'll uh, go ahead to the ending here. Commander walks the top rope and then whips Joey with a hurricane runner to the floor. Joey then rolls into the ring. Commander goes up to the top turnbuckle again. He walks the ropes and finishes with a beautiful shooting star press. Commander is our winner in this match. It was a 12-minute bout. And yeah, his finisher was what used to be an average move for him. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, who knows? I, I don't know. Like it, it is weird, but like we, we kind of hit it up. Uh, this, the muted of it is... Uh, we could see it, but I also... We'll give it a chance because it might make it seem more impactful and uh, more exciting the next time I see it, if I haven't seen it every single match. So I will give that time. Well, I'll tell you this much right now. Let's just say he's paid a thousand dollars a night. And I, I don't know. It could be a lot more. It could be a lot less. Let's just pay. He's paid, he's paid average of a thousand dollars a night. He's putting in a twenty five hundred dollar work ethic. Oh, yeah. So Commit. it's OK to dial it back a little, I guess. Yeah, that's why I, mean, I that's why I hate saying like these. Sometimes I sometimes I do hate like saying the negative things. So like, oh, like I'm nitpicking. Like I'm literally nitpicking at the tiniest of things that Commander Viking do. But I will pay all that money to see them every single time and do what I'm nitpicking on because it's so fun. We're just seeing. We're just noticing as fans little things that we've seen over wrestling. Out of all the time, yeah. all the wrestling that we watched, that we kind of would like to see as fans to kind of add a little bit more realism or not make the opponent look bad or anything. But I was uh, impressed with this match, and I was actually surprised that he won. I'm kind of glad he did. I think they need to start building his momentum back up. But I'm surprised he got the victory out of out of Joey Janela, out of all people, to uh, get that momentum back. But I'm glad because Joey made Commander look good, as he always does with his opponents. And for me, as long as Commander keeps coming back, um, I'm really proud that he's under the GCW flag. I'm really proud that we can say we have him on our show. And, you know, it's cool when he showed up to AEW and everything was so amazing. And again, we're like, that's our dude. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that well, one we match him every seven of weekend. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just uh, more. We just need more of that. More Commander, more Vikingo. I really do enjoy them a lot. Yeah, I'm surprised my Kingo's not on Homecoming. Oh, yeah, it's, it's in the damn scramble. My bad. I forgot. Damn. See, that's the bad thing when you put him in that scramble. I totally forget that they're in it because I just assume I got to remember it's the all-star scramble, though. They didn't keep on mentioning that all-star during this show. 
all-star scramble, all-star scramble. That mm-hmm. is going to be fun. I hope they get 20 minutes. Like, if this is like a 12-minute one, I think, unless it's a 12-minute just nonstop, which it probably will be anyway, 20 mm-hmm. minutes, I think, would be perfect for the scramble just to get the crowd, like, going and going nuts to start off homecoming. I think that's going to be a that's going to be a fun match, actually. That's one match I'm really looking forward to that weekend. I'm glad Alex Zane got inserted into that match as well. Okay, let's see here. I'm trying to look and see who is all in that scramble. Ninja Mac, Alex Zane, Commander, Vikingo. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> if anybody says it's low energy. Uh, Alec, does, is Alec in? No. Man, oh, I got four out of the six. I can't think of the other two off the top of them. They're probably like really easy names. Damn, I should have kept looking while I was sitting here. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I named off the four, and you're like, oh, he's good. He's got it. Um, no, 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 no. Well, I know you. You usually have a really go. good memory for everything. Uh, Arez and Gringo Loco were the sense. two. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm... <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> That's what's in that match right now. <laughs> I want to see Arez Commander. But that's going to be insane. Yeah, please give me 20 minutes on that. That's all I asked for that weekend. You know what? You're right. Let's talk about that for a second. I swear to God, if this is an eight-minute scramble, I'm going to be so mad. There's all that talent in the ring. If they don't tear the fucking house down, oh, my gosh. I mean, they could probably even Ooh. do it in 12, but it's homecoming. They got to give that time, especially that six, those six talents. Like, 12 to that's 15. That's why I kind of, like, it's above average. 12 to 15 is pretty good. 20 would be, like... Well, I I don't know. Maybe like some I don't know. Somebody ran into a lot of extra money somewhere, or I don't know. Yeah. But that would be fantastic. Well, they only got seven matches announced at the moment for Homecoming. I think that oh yeah, the match that was announced is already on here. So I I could see some time being given to some of these matches uh, for sure. Like I expect that jo- that double dog collar match, Joey Janela, Sawyer versus Charles Amazing. That's going to go at least twenty five. I'll put money on that one right now. Yeah. <laughs> Joey dog collar match. Like that's gotta be 25 minutes right there. Yeah. That one's going to be a while. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay. So back to this, this is something that went on here directly after the match ended. Uh, Pero comes in from behind and tax commander, uh, typical Pero fashion. Sawyer comes in and hits Pero in the back with a chair and they kind of have a face off. Referee Perch rolls in the ring, and we have a match. Uh, we've been doing this quite a few times between Pero and also Mason, and it seems like Pero's the one that kind of is always around when this goes on, but this is a fantastic way to save TV time. And also, it's, to me, a little more exciting, and we said it before, it just looks more organic, like a fight is happening. Yep. I, I love when they have been doing this lately because I just said just nonstop. Like it just feels like the show is going. There's no reset. There's like the reason Peril came out is to get the get Commander the hell out of the ring and try to attack Joey, and that makes complete sense. And then to save Joey, Sawyer comes out and boom, you got your match. I I love these kind of starts. I've been really enjoying lately they uh, the way they've been doing that with Pero Mason and Cardona and Steph Delander and all that stuff. It's been that's been a really cool addition lately to uh, what's happening with these matches. And that did lead us into Sawyer Rec versus Pero. And uh, Perch came out to start the matchup, and the match started. And to me, this was kind of the sleeper match. I don't know. I really loved the chaoticness. The This felt real. Like, there was, as we kind of said, with the setting up of the spots and stuff like that, I think maybe this was the match that I'm thinking about. Pero went and, like, attacked Sawyer because he was taking too, too long. But... 
this was awesome. Like I enjoyed the violence of this match, the craziness. It wasn't the cleanest match, but I didn't want it to be clean. Like it this felt real. It felt like there's a reason they're fighting. It felt the animosity. And I just loved how it just looked and felt real to me. Like just in my face was right there. Not like, hey, I'm gonna set this up. You okay? You ready? Let's go do this. Like and peril with his chair shots and Sawyer did not hold back, which I enjoyed as well. Cause I've been seeing yeah. some of these chair shots lately. To the women, and it seems like right when they go down, they slow down. Perro's like, nope, and bam. And I was like, yes, that's what we need because that makes Sawyer look so much tougher and it's going to get the crowd so much more behind her because of the violent chair shots. They're going to be like, feel sorry for her and like, holy shit, she's a tough woman if she's still able to withstand that from Perro. And I think that helped her make made her look really good. Yeah, these two needed to meet. I felt like it was only a matter of time. Yep. Uh, I would have liked to have seen this built up. And on a bigger stage, if Sawyer was going to go over, you might as well just have the crowd go with her all the way to the ending. You could have really done something here. Uh, yeah, at the bigger level, both fought early chair shots and outside the ring into the crowd. They go very early in the match. Chairs and doors are being grabbed from under the ring. I see a door bridge being built and the remaining chairs are being thrown in the ring. So we're going to talk about something real quick because you were talking about chair shots. There's a uh, spot here where Pero hits Sawyer with a chair shot and she puts her arms up. I bet 100% that shit stings. Yeah, when she kind of stuck her elbows up right past the back area. Yes. Yeah, right on the elbows. Now, I can't remember who it was that it happened to, but John Cena came down on someone like that before and they stuck their arm up just the same way and fucked up this bone right here and right here where the chair the legs came down and hit. So she was trying to protect herself. Yeah. 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 There was a big thing about it. This was probably a decade plus ago where Cena said, somebody goes, well, John Cena hates me. And they were like, why? He goes, well, cause he gave me a stiff hair sh- chair shot and it hurt my arm. And, and, and <laughs> he says, well, John was like, you shouldn't have put up your arm and kind of laughed it off and walked off. And the guy's like, well, what a dick. And then I'm sitting here thinking me personally, John, I'm sitting here thinking like, you're not supposed to put your fucking arm up to protect yourself because there's those, yeah that's just stupid that's a great way to crack or break a fucking bone yeah anyway though she did it and you could tell right after she did it you could see her kind of moving her digits moving her fingers there and shit and like kind of going like this it must have made contact you only do that a couple times (laughs) that's one way to get her to sell is by actually hitting her within her nerve yeah (laughs) yeah so um a couple spots here sawyer slams paro through a chair uh, Sawyer then grabbed Perro's chain, wraps it around her fist, and starts beating on him with it. Ten shots total on the turnbuckle happened, and then she gets the superplex. Both basically beat up each other real good throughout the match. I'm going to just kind of tell you a story to the ending. Perro choke slammed Sawyer through a door bridge that was built towards the outside of the ring. She breaks the pin with a rope break, then chokes her with his chain. Fans boo heavy. They are not happy. He's hanging her with the chain over the rope. Perch tries to stop him and he pushes Perch over. Perch is down. Janela comes in and hits Perro in the back with a chair. Joey then with a Samoan drop on Perro. Sawyer with a choke slam on Perro through a door bridge built outside the ring. Joey rolls Perro in the ring and Sawyer gets the three count. So our winner here was Sawyer Wreck. Uh, the faces were the heels in the end. They ganged up on Perro for the win. Am, am I reading that wrong? 
No, but that's also one big bear of a heel that they had to uh, try to take down by Joey and Sawyer themselves. So two definitely, two two people were definitely needed for uh, that to happen. Yeah, that's a big bear. Now, I just wanted to ask you though. Think about it. If there's a singles match and someone brought their tag team partner in and they fuck up the other guy, you'd probably boo the cheaters, right? Yeah, yeah. Huh? 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 <laughs> I had to say it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, uh, you know, we're feel good. We're feel good fans. So if it felt right and it felt good, we're gonna we're gonna enjoy it. That's what happened here. We wanted to see the bad, the good guys win, even if they had to break some rules. And see, I was actually kind of. Well, if Sawyer said Sawyer won, I'm expecting or kind of hoping now Charles and Pero go over in AC just because like there's no like I don't think you need to barrel Pero bury Pero twice here of losing to Sawyer then losing again in the double co- dog collar match. I thought this was actually going to be a match where Pero would win, kind of get some heat, get some heat behind him even more and get get that momentum going towards homecoming. So that way they're booing him a lot more because now I think, Hey, Sawyer already beat Peril. Joey could beat Mason. And then there we go. Like it kind of takes the, it takes the pop away from the win. There you go. That, and especially like in the AC, like I would have preferred to have at AC, I would have preferred Peril win this match, just kind of keep beating the shit out of Joey and Sawyer. And then at AC, Sawyer kind of gets the big win over the big ass choke slam on Peril from the top rope, and then everyone goes, Yeah, I just had the big pop. Everyone goes crazy. Like, kind of like how Joey beat uh, Sawyer beat Joey in AC with that choke slam from the top. Like, replay that again in, this, in the same venue and same fans, except with the big ass dude in Peril who's teaming with Mason, who's the biggest heel there is right now in GCW with Cardona. And then you get all that heat and all that excitement for Joey and Sawyer to finally win. I, I just. That's how I would have done it, but um, maybe this means Perro and Mason will win in Homecoming, and I'm all for that. I, I like I'm not upset that Perro lost. I think he needs to start getting uh, some more wins and building up some momentum because I am loving everything he's been doing in GCW, and he's been like excelling, like really good, and especially his in ring work has been fantastic. That I kind of before I wasn't just a, a big fan of it because he was just a big hoss, but now you can see like he's having fun with it. He's <laughs> right, yeah, hot guy. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. I feel like I helped push that motherfucker into GCW more. I really do. I felt like like I'm sitting there going, you know, Perro's the hoss we need. He's this, he's that, and it's like, well, you know, it's kind of nice that uh, you know we're seeing him. So I'm really happy a- with that. And he was a perfect fit for that storyline too. Like that's why when he was came yeah. out, I was like, yeah. that was so that was perfect. That was the perfect person, perfect plan. I like how they're going with it. And I, I would just like to see maybe Peril kind of getting some more momentum behind him because like uh I don't know. I I just really was hoping he would win this match to kind of set something bigger up for Sawyer going into homecoming instead of kind of not wasting it here because homecoming hasn't happened. We don't know what the hell's gonna happen there, but I just they in my like just put the chemistry sense it just doesn't make sense uh to do that, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully it's gonna be fun and I'm enjoying Peril. Maybe Peril gets rid of Charles Mason and then starts doing his own little thing, which would could be cool and fun to see um from Peril as well. So yeah, normally before a pay-per-view when the when the face is gonna go over at the pay-per-view, the heel beats the shit out of him on the show before. You know, if it's SmackDown and there's gonna be a pay-per-view on Sunday. Usually the heels are going to kick the shit out of the faces so that when the faces go into the pay-per-view, 
they have that whole thing behind them of, can we beat these guys? Can we get revenge? Yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm with you. I think this would have been a situation where it probably would have been better to put over Arrow. And then he looks like a bigger threat going into that match, which his whole job is to be a threat. So this should have very well been that. And um, yeah, I, I'm just looking at it. I do like the foreshadowing with the chain, you know, that he was choking her with the chain and that, yeah. uh, you know, I do like that a lot. And I'm wondering if maybe they were creating a moment when he was kind of hanging her like that, because I'm thinking in the next show, she hangs him like that. So I'm hoping they created a couple moments here because it wouldn't have been hard for them to just kind of mix up a couple things that wouldn't have taken much effort and they would have had memorable moments to push forward into this next uh, match between them. That was a long I, way of saying I agree with you. <laughs> well, and here's a couple more things. I just looked it up. Like, okay, Perro lost Sawyer Wreck. His last one-on-one match in GCW lost to Sumi Sakai. Oh, jeez. Then, okay, then, wow, that's worth talking about. Keep going. I already know where this is going. And then uh, the Mason's Mercenaries lost to Thrusty at the UCC at Collective at Big Gay Brunch. And then mm-hmm. Charles Mason Perro lost to Team Bussy. Uh, and then in a... Okay. Oh, the three and the two handicap match they had, Perro and Slade versus Team Thrusty, ended up in a no contest. Perro's got zero victories in GCW in one, two, three... Five matches and two of them, his only two single matches in GCW, he's lost to Sawyer and he's lost to Sumi Sakai. That okay. Takes the aura that's, away from that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Actually, when I go to the LA show, I'm going to actually talk a little bit about that. That's that very important. Everything go ahead. there. Exactly. Yep. You said it. Wow. Said it. What's big and threatening about someone who, who isn't threatening? I mean, he's big. What the hell does that mean if he can't win a match? And if he's supposed to be imposing and scary and the muscle, I hate to say it, but any muscle anyone usually hires can kick the ever-living shit out of most anyone, including wrestlers, most wrestlers. I mean, that's Sakai one is eye-opening as well, because like it's he lost to a 51-year-old, five foot, 114 pounds on cage match, is what she is yeah. listed at. And that's what Perry lost to. And like I don't I you know, it, you know how it is though, the David Goliath yeah. feel good, you know. And um, he's a he's a right. big enough character to not let those affect him. Like the losses and the wins and losses don't affect him. He's still gonna be the menacing, as you said, bodyguard, security guard, the overseer, and people are still gonna get the fuck out of their way and get scared. But mm-hmm. but he's not a threat if he's not a threat. Yeah. If he is not a threat to any wrestler or any, then booking wise, it makes no sense for him to even be booked as a threat. Dude got his ass whooped by a hundred pound lady. I mean, so that, that, that has to change to make him effective. That has to change. I don't know where it starts, but I get heat on something. the heater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to throw some coal in that fire because so. right now, I mean, you, <laughs> you're Yeah. I won't go too far into it, but I mean, your Haas is getting the shit kicked out of him by a cruiserweight. Maybe yeah. it's time to find a new Haas, which does not need to be done. Or maybe I it's think Mason what it is that's is holding him down. The like, they, could well, be, they could book it that way. I'm just, they seem I'm to just, win when Mason's helping. Right? I want to see more of Peril. I want to see more of Peril, but I want to have him light. booked <laughs> pro- correct because when he's booked properly, he could be instantly added to almost any match, and there is a real threat. And that's what the point of a big hoss like him is. 
I agree. Anyway, I, yeah. I definitely agree. Cause like I've been everything he's done in GCW. I've loved like he has nailed whatever they're expecting of him. I think he's nailed it and even gone above and beyond where he's like, in my opinion, helping himself. Like I wasn't a giant fan of his, I was a fan of his work in ring work. Not so much, but I loved just the look of him. And whenever he was able to go and get like when he was fully healthy and going, having pretty really good matches, like in death matches, I loved that peril. And we're getting that monster version of it, but we're also seeing different sides of them, which like I actually enjoyed the comedic side of Pharaoh too. Like the whole Yoshiiko thing was fucking fantastic. Yes. That yeah. whole like I loved it. That was like the highlight. One of the highlights of the collective weekend was him selling Yoshiiko, which was fantastic. Um, I just want to see him booked better, as you said. And I, I this match I loved. I loved Sawyer and Fire. Like it wasn't pretty, but I loved just the realistic real realism of this match and um i and as you said these two needed to go out and i think this was good time it's just i would have had a different winner if what i think is going to happen at homecoming is going to happen yeah i'm with you there too on uh yeah sawyer had a hard time with the big bear but anyone it's realistic exactly yeah. the big bear exactly i i agree with you like anybody would have had time hard time lifting them up stuff so, so i i enjoyed it though i think it made Fucking Sawyer looked really strong, and and Pero also looked like a good heater. Just like it just seems like he's missing, like missing something right now to get over that hump for the victories. In this case, it dominance. made sense. Joey Janela, that too. Yeah, that's a good way. Like this made sense. Joey came out to help Sawyer win because Mason's not there. The reason why Mason and Pero went crazy the last show because no one else was there at that show. So that makes sense, and I'm fine with that. I just I. I just I'm expecting Sawyer and Joey to win this feud and to have it happen at homecoming. And I just don't like if Pharaoh's gonna take this loss and lose then. Um I, that's just me foreshadowing. I could be completely fucking wrong and something cool is gonna happen. And I hope it does because I've been enjoying the work that Pharaoh's been doing and Sawyer looked really good in this match. And I think this kind of helped her out find her footing in this feud as well, instead of just being a part of a team with Joey. Because it seems like Mason's always attacking Joey, not like is leaving Sawyer out of it, which is another little odd something. Yeah, something odd that he doesn't typically do whenever he uh, attacks his opponents. For our sixth matchup of the evening, it is a tag team death match as the rejects John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley go against the second gear crew, one called Manders and Mance Warner. And I'll, I'll just say it out here since I said it to you because I'm still like I had no idea they did they did death matches in the Harpos before like I saw the glass coming out here I'm like what they're doing a death match in the Harpos yeah. and uh yeah before this podcast I went back and looked like oh they've done that multiple times but like for me I was excited and shocked because I didn't expect a death match I just expected a regular old extreme or uh whatever match you want to call it in GCW just not the ultra violence with the tables and the glass so. I was surprisingly shocked, but I guess I'm an idiot since I don't remember uh, all the other death matches from Harpo's, but this was fun. Um, Vance Warner and John Wayne Murdoch, they have to start a feud together. Those two create magic. They just got such mm-hmm. a great chemistry. Like That one match that they had at whatever the 30-person venue was in Milwaukee that we didn't expect much from that show, and then they pulled out that Taipei death match and had a crazy one. Like, that was a crazy match between these two. And then every time they interacted during this match, I was like, they need to have a feud. Like, even if it's not, it doesn't have to be for title. Start a blood feud because they just had such good chemistry and they mm. go well with each other. I, that was a one big takeaway I saw from this is just how well those two got along. 
Uh, my other one was Man- Manders kind of seemed to be pissed in the ring with uh, Reed Bentley. He's like, you can see his facial reaction change, and he's kind of giving him a, giving him a yeah. little extra on the punches and stuff. I, I noticed as well. I was like, I wonder what the, what the deal there is. Yeah, it doesn't take much sometimes, but again, we we don't know. Maybe so, he said something about about his mama. Maybe I mean, oh, something about his corn. Oh, Can't, you never shit on a man's corn. Don't shuck on this man's corn. Don't shuck with it. Uh, he's a bad mother shucker. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Yeah. Um, what do you okay. think of this match? Because I, I think you would probably uh, enjoy this one. This one feels like has you written all over it. Okay, so. Part of me wants them all just to get together in one big old southern crazy hillbilly group and just <laughs> rock the world. I, I you know, um, no, I would I think it would be fun and I think it's already out there. Have a group called Southern Violence, something like that, where it's basically just, you know, Manders, Murdoch, like the guys who are fearless, straight from the south, who are willing to fight anyway pot like there's no there's no no to their answer it's always going to be if it's glass we don't give a fuck if it's doors we don't give a fuck if it's a bar fight we don't give a shit i don't know that's i would like to see a strong southern wrestling company come up just a heel group that everybody hates i'd love to see it led by george south of course (laughs) managed by uh oh man i can't think of his name the missing Hardy member uh, from oh shit, my name oh. is, and he spells it. Yeah, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, champagne. Yeah, C H A M P A I N. I wouldn't mind saying name again, just to cut a promo. He didn't just for the manager funny. for somebody. That's what I'm saying. Just make him the manager. Fuck it. But it the it, George fight uh, George South would fight for the uh, microphone. <laughs> no, it's just. Uh, yeah, somebody like George South. Fuck, let's just go ahead in the uh, in the older weight division. In the elder weight division, there we go. We have uh, Action Mike Jackson. He's from down south, Louisiana, or Alabama. I'm sorry, Alabama. So I'm just saying it's it's possible if you really want to try real hard. There could be a loose knit community get, uh, of southern faces. I'll about to say you better watch it because next time they Heels. go down south, here goes the next SGC matchup. It's gonna be SGC versus Jackson instead of uh, instead of when it was SGC versus the kids of Starboy, Nick Wayne, and uh, I think it was Titus Alexander in LA. Everyone's like, "Fuck them kids!" Like, no, we're gonna turn fuck it around. We're gonna kids. fuck them elders. We're gonna have SGC versus Jackson. South and uh, Champagne. Holy shit. <laughs> Champagne's the young one at like 50 <laughs> odd years old. <laughs> the average combined <laughs> age of that team is like 2006. <laughs> that was oh my good. gosh. And action Mike Jack. Cool. What is this guy oh. with the vest? Fa- I just watched this SGC match. I just see this guy with the vest and no shirt on. I missed that. What the hell? Oh, he was styling. <laughs> He's he's on minute two of my review of this fucking match. <laughs> yeah, look, what? I see. Oh shit! Yeah, minute two. Yeah, I had to. I oh, had to okay. out like a sore I, thumb. God, I didn't see. It. I just saw. I like, don't know when they were holding Manser just now. I was like, what the hell, dude? It was like a guy at a computer club started a bike <laughs> he's club. Like all in there, and Andy like helping him out. How did he send in them beers as the match is going? <laughs> Dude, I have no idea. I thought it was great though. Like classic oh, shit. Like goodness. totally a GCW fan. That is hysterical. All right. So um oh, I'll go ahead before and the match. Jesus. It, it was totally <laughs> worth it though. Uh 
Okay, so this is that rundown I like to do minute by minute of the deathmatch scene here and what was going on in this match. So here we go. Both teams were in, and you can feel this is more of what the fans came to see. They came alive. Very simple. They wanted a deathmatch. Not a better way to put it. So minute one, everything breaks into chaos quickly. We had the split screen almost immediately. Murdoch was bleeding from the get-go. Manser was slammed on a chair, and that started GCW chance very quickly. Minute two. Yeah, I seen a dude with no shirt and a leather jacket covered in pins holding a beer. I put down here, he's the real American hero. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, Keep going here. The inside of the ring at this point still has not even been touched by anyone yet. Minute three, there's still a lot of brawling. Finally, Manders has skewers, but he fails to use them. Manders then sabus a chair into Bentley. Minute four, not much going on. Just a little bit of setup for minute five. Manders and Murdoch were exchanging bloody headbutts. Mance gets a skewer put through his hand, uh, then his earlobe. Minute six, Manders pushed from the stage and onto two barbed wire covered door bridges below. Everyone at this point is bleeding. Minute seven, Mance had to fight both men along after the Manders spot, and Mance get puts through his uh, own glass pane. Minute eight, a glass pane bridge is made. Mance is then put through another pane of glass. He still kicks out at two. I put here that Mance is an indestructible beast. He was still getting his ass kicked the whole time, but he hadn't given up quite yet. Minute nine, the rejects with an assisted tombstone pile driver through a chair. Vance kicks out at two. Minute 10, Murdoch got power slammed through a glass pane. He's covered. Murdoch kicks out at two. Minute 11, Mance has the biggest screwdriver I have ever seen. He's cutting open Bentley's head with it. Manders is refreshed and finally gets back into the ring. Minute 12 and two are ending. Manders build a door bridge. He goes up to the top and sets up Murdoch. Reed comes from behind with a low blow. They put Manders through the door bridge for three. Our winners here were the rejects. Your turn, my friend. That was an SGC match. Typical. I loved seeing the screen back. Um, that was fun. I, I wouldn't mind seeing these two teams go out again. There, there seemed to be... Some chemistry, no matter positive or uh, negative, there um, with Vance Warner and uh, oh my God, Vance Warner, John Wayne Murdoch, and Reed and Manders. But I enjoyed it. I liked it. The funny spots for me, I love the headbutt spot when like where they both headbutt each other, Vance and John Wayne, and then they're just like, oh mm -hmm. shit, we're dizzy and like sold it. <laughs> yeah, one of them was like, uh, okay, okay, yeah, like you can see one of them like, all right, that one hurt a little. Yeah, I, th I think it was John Maker. Like, Mance was kept on going into it, and like Murdoch reaches, like, okay, hold on, We're, we need a break here. But that was fun. And seeing Cole in the background of when the when uh, Reed and Mance or Reed and Manders were in the back and the backstage and then fighting up onto the stage, you see just Cole, like, oh shit, I'm on camera and hop out of the way. I, I enjoyed that match. <laughs> I, I enjoyed this whole match. I this was the death match. I think that I didn't wasn't expecting death match when I saw glass. I was like pleasantly surprised and I got my violence that I wanted. And these four definitely delivered it. And as I, I don't okay, I don't think he has on it. I think this is where the crowd kind of picked up as well, too. As you said, yeah. they finally getting what yeah. they wanted to see the death match. I definitely noticed a change in the crowd as well. I put that it was very busy, extremely entertaining, and I enjoyed that they fought all over the theater. Made sense to me.
anything yeah. else you have to say about this one then i agree i nope. just i this and as you said fun and entertaining death match i and for me unexpected and I miss Matt. I miss Matthew Justice. I just have to say it one more time because that was my dude. That's our high diver. You know, that's the guy who we'd uh, we'd watch the replays on Twitter. <laughs> he's the viral diver. Yeah. Oh, what a fun little name, the viral <laughs> diver. Yeah, that's a great name to have until you get a little older and then not good. <laughs> yeah, you take one too many of those, and yeah, it's not good. Uh okay, so. We'll kind of move on a little bit here before the next match. We got another great video package to hype up that match. And it was extremely well done. Lots of glass is being swept out as basically fresh doors and glass tubes are being brought in. It was just kind of fun to see, but yeah, it hyped up our next match here. And uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and stop and let you kind of announce it so that I don't run into it. <laughs> All right. Our next matchup is another death match as the ratty daddy Cole Radrick goes against crazy King. I'm just happy to see crazy King back in. I think this is a better matchup him and Cole, especially in a death match. I was looking for this match to be another one of those standout matches from Cole. Um, we haven't seen really, well, I guess we did do a death match kind of against a uh, Masha a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, I was really ex- like excited to see the deathmatch Ratty Daddy there and seeing Crazy King back in a GCW ring and see what he could do in a singles match this time. Because I think last time he was in the trios with uh, Los Macisos, so we didn't get to see too much of him um, in a one-on-one setting. So I was happy that we did get that. And this was really good, too. Like, that is uh, chaotic as the last match was going um all over the place obviously there's a lot less bodies going around but i think for the 10 minutes that these two got it delivered it was another one of those matches that the fans said shouldn't have anything to complain uh, complain about especially uh if you're there in person because you wanted the death matches and you're getting the death match <laughs> filled end of the card here and um i i enjoy this match a lot all right so yeah we have ourselves another death match so i'm gonna go ahead and same thing give everybody a little rundown I'll slow it down a little more this time so you can kind of have a little vision in your head. Here we go. Uh, the first thing I wanted to mention was this may be the first time for me seeing Crazy King. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the first time I've seen him since you and I have covered GCW stuff, right? Wrong? Um, I'm double checking myself here. Some question. Isn't that Los Macisos' brother, right? Crazy King? Oh my gosh. If that is, I'd be so damn embarrassed. Um, I'm looking it up here real fast because I thought, like, I yeah, like okay. the jacket. This is actually the third third or fourth time we've seen him, but yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, really? No, no, it's fine. It's Oh, I feel it, horrible. Sorry, crazy. a lot of wrestling. Mr. King. <laughs> Shit, this is, yeah, this is just the GCW we watch. This ain't even all the other stuff, and you watch way more than me. <laughs> the GCW oh, is man. the one that sticks mostly, though. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got the podcast to kind of... All right, so Cole was out next. Something odd I'm noticing crowd was too freaking quiet and i think we discussed this a little but yeah i just noticed that there were times where even when nick gage just like the fans weren't some of them sometimes wouldn't even clap i'm like maybe they're just gassed out from the night maybe it's hot in there like i don't know but some of the some of the excitement just wasn't there on the fans on the floor because i could certainly hear it up above i don't know doesn't make sense to me uh minute one king was firing himself up Cole and King have a wonderful feeling out period first. 
There's Ratty Daddy and Crazy King Chance going back and forth. They have a nice little uh, wrestling match for quite a while there until minute two. Ratty turns himself into a human cannonball. Uh, we hear Chance of We Want Glass. Minute three, Crazy King has a great spinning elbow. King shatters tubes onto Cole's junk. Minute four, King accidentally falls on tubes while Cole punches a tube into the back of his head. Cole gets a spine buster delivered onto the tubes. Minute five, just now noticing that Max Recon is out there helping with the glass duty outside the ring, Cole suplexes King onto a bunch of glass. Minute six, Cole superplex crazy through glass, GCW chance. Minute seven, crazy jumps off the top rope and breaks tubes over Cole's head and rolls it into a pile driver somehow. Minute eight, Crazy catches Cole, lifts him up over his head, and suplexed him through a door. I wrote in here and impressive, basically. That's what I'll just put. GCW chance again. Minute nine until the end, Cole did the area code kick into a Jeff Hardy-style swanton. He hits a springboard into a stunner. King kicks out at two. Cole grabs a bunch of tubes and creates a huge pile. Cole with a little Sebastian's curse for three on top of those tubes. Our winner, Cole Radrick. Uh, well fought. I'll get I'll get further into my statement after you're done with yours, but yeah, well fought. Yeah, like I said, this was one of those statements from Cole. I'm glad he did get the victory. He looked really good during this match. And Crazy King showed off more wrestling than I was kind of expecting. And I'm glad because I love the actual wrestling of deathmatch wrestling. So I was glad he was able to uh incorporate a little bit more like that suplex was pretty cool like but he caught him I was like oh here comes a fallaway slam and then he turned it into a suplex i was like that was pretty cool not expected of him because i didn't think he'd be able to get cole into that position from where he was holding him so he showed a lot of strength there but i think this was a good match to get more one-on-one from crazy king i wouldn't mind seeing him in one of these deathmatch tournaments especially mm. coming up maybe like ngi uh get i want to see a couple more matches of his still because as much as we've seen lately especially in freedoms like that field of eight is getting too small where they're going to have to get a little bit deeper, I think, into these death matches uh, tournaments with some more uh, wrestlers and talent because I, I can see Crazy King fitting in there. I'd, I would like to see a couple more matches of his to for sure do that, but off this one, I, I think he could have a even a one-off and get eliminated in the first round but still have an impressive and violent uh, death match. But I'm glad Cole uh, got this victory and uh, stepped up and <laughs> delivered the ultra-violence. I love... I love the death match. Like Cole seems like he goes like sports, like a couple months. He's like the death match. And then he goes to regular, then death match and regular. So it's kind of good. He's keeping it fresh. And we're not just seeing one style of him because he is so multidimensional as a wrestler and can really do anything that's asked of him. And I think that's another reason we really like Cole and he's so over with the crowd. So getting the death match version is always fun. Do we, have we seen him in a tag team in a while? Cole? I'm thinking, yeah, as, as a tag team that all. goes longer than two or three weeks, like you know what I mean. Oh no, I just didn't remember. Like, didn't he like team with Thrusty a couple times as like an odd person or yeah, against yeah, them even as yeah. like the odd? He's always the odd person. He's never like as a team. No, I'm not against remember. him finding a good partner. I just trying to think of who. I wouldn't I put him in East to... West because the vibe. What we haven't seen Ax and Ray. I want to see Ax and Ray. Where the hell's he been? Is he hurt? Like he's just one I always think could fit right in with anybody. Mercer. Good question. Injury, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, Or just busy. Busy working, you know. He might have a family thing. I I don't know. That's just one name I haven't seen in a while. I kind of miss, but I also think he's just kind of like Cole. Like 
maybe accent's a little bit more like high flying than Cole, but like whatever is asked of him and whatever kind of style you want, accent kind of fits it. right into it. So, and that's so does Cole. So, I would like to see those two kind of do a lot of innovative and creative stuff together as a team. All right. So, after my little spot here that said well thought, my next message was it had almost as much action as the match before it. And there was only two people in that ring. So, true. My thought is, if this match just had a little less action with two less people than the previous match, why weren't they flipped on the card to where this match was before the Rejects match? You know what I mean? Build it yeah. kind of thing. Build it to, instead of putting out four men going all around the ring, and then your next match is just two people, and that's not even the lead-up to the main event. That's, you know, that's not even the one right before. This is match seven. I flipped them. I, I kind of agree too, because obviously there's going to be more chaos in a four. Like this guy's, even though the action wasn't like it could have, like you said, the little down period compared to the match before, where the crowd could be also less involved in it as well. So I just, I just, I had to put it in there. I don't know why. So um, right after that match, we had our patented 15, <clears throat> 23 minute break, and uh, that was enjoyable. It was nice. I got. Uh, I got to sit around for eight extra minutes and like, okay, is it on now? Is it on now? Is it on now? <laughs> so what I've learned to do is turn up my TV just a little bit more than usual. But then when it comes back on, it scares the shit out of me. You know what I mean? Cause like, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean? It kicks right back in. If you ever watch yeah. that after mission, it's just a kick back in. Yeah. 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 And drop my food. <laughs> All right. That will lead us after the intermission to our eighth matchup, which is a tag team match as Team Pussy, Ali Catch, and Effie go against the team of Bang and Matthews. Yeah, is that what? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got to switch up yeah. the name. I couldn't remember if they went with that or they switched it. But uh, uh, the team of uh, Austin Matthews and Davey Bang, now well, currently known as Bang and Matthews, going around. And I, I, I found it kind of funny too, all the discourse that was happening the week prior with their name and everything like only about time for them to kind of get caught with that and stuff. But I think they with that, even with Davey, like bang, they could do a lot of different cool names with, uh, with their team. And I, I don't really go off the team name. Like, yeah, it's like the silly little ha 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 kind of call out, but their in ring is like, what's good. So I, yeah, I didn't mind it in the name, but it's kind of like, Hey, time to, to me, it's kind of like, Hey, time to get a little bit more serious. you know, like, you're getting noticed that by that company, switch it up and kind of switch up your thing and maybe take your game to the next level. Switch up the gear, switch up the names, logo, do something like to kind of yeah, like the porn company wants to yourself. fuck you legally. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's fucked up. Yeah, I remember when I saw that online, I was like, dude, did you sign an electrical signature like for that email? Because if you didn't sign an electrical signature for that email, it's not technically a certified email. Wasn't it a fake email anyway? I thought I read like the letter because like I thought I had like the city was spelled wrong. Miami I, was spelled wrong and I, <laughs> it's something else. I told old dude, I was like, I was like, no, I sent a message and I was like, dude, it doesn't look right. There's two misspellings on the top of the page. Yeah. Like it just doesn't seem right. So I told him to research the lawyer and all that good shit. Yeah, I thought it was good timing though goes. to have this match against Bussy with the whole name thing and going on and stuff like that. I thought this was a perfect time to, of course, put that team against Team Bussy and everything. Well, what I <laughs> what I thought would be cool is if they have a team move that you know had the name bang in it somewhere, and they could call the move the cease and desist. 
I thought that would be cool as shit. For yeah. Me. Like just, you know, cause it's a, a, you know, the lawyers don't let them. Yeah. So it's a cease and desist. I um, would say the same thing if the yeah. young bucks didn't already do it. Fuck them. <laughs> they have all their money. They don't need to, they ain't watching <laughs> us down here in the independence. They're, they're big boys. Now they play with, I don't know who the fuck they play with, but one day they'll get ratings. Uh, no. <laughs> Man, I'm awful. I, I think they're doing okay, I guess, since we talked about this. We'll talk about this for a second. I think they're doing okay. I feel like I'm missing out on some things, but every time I'm hearing stuff on wrestling news about them, it's like there's always shit show stuff going on. And the other thing that, well, but that's that's the sheet. Okay, I might, I might have missed. What are you talking about or who are you talking about? Well, like most recently, it's the thing with Lufisto. Okay, yeah. You heard any of that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so that's going on, and then you know everybody jumps online. Okay, so Lufisto, like fans don't know, they're pretty smart fans that listen to this show. It, you know, Lufisto was upset with something in AEW. Basically, it had to do with people kind of being in their own cliques and not being as welcoming and as kind as they should be, and so on and so forth. And he kind of was out outspoken about that on. Um, some type of an interview, I think, or what? Yeah, with uh, uh, Sean Rossap. Yeah, and then named names, and uh, that pissed off some people. And uh, yeah, MJF and quite a few other people got into it there. And uh, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what to say. Um, she is a veteran, but at the same time, she's, I don't know if she's ever been in many major companies. I'm not sure. I'd have to look. <laughs> That was kind of my thing. Like, I agree. Like, she has veteran status. She has like a good reputation with everybody, as far as I've heard. It just seems like, yeah, she went into a place expecting something and didn't get what she expected, and then kind of is not venting, but talking about it and kind of leading credits as what some other people have said about AEW and kind of helping their argument out a little bit more while also helping out her own. But I just said, like, we weren't there. I don't know, but. From what I read, too, it just seems like, okay, like you were expecting something, you didn't get it. Like, sorry, oh, well, life goes on and it happens. Like, nothing seemed out of the ordinary where she had to go out and, like, she didn't, she didn't go out and full bury people and stuff. But, like, some of the stuff that she said about, like, I think calling people bland or what, they're not, she's just, like, she's not an exciting person. You don't let her talk. Like, that was kind of, like, out of out of line for me is what I thought. But, oh, well, mm-hmm. like, I didn't really pay too much. I read it, but it was funny seeing all the discourse about it and people getting so upset and everything. It's like, okay like for me i just took it as hey i went to a party thinking like i some of these people that i talked to before would talk to me and no sorry they're talking to their friends whose birthday party it is and i was kind of left on the outside because i don't know that friend but yeah i don't know that's how i Hmm. felt about it all but i I don't take anything bad away from this so i'm not going to sit there and say anything bad about her because like i said she from what i've heard most from all the people like kind of defending her and stuff and people that we trust and what we've seen and uh, I've seen and kind of stuff and read about her. Like it just, just seemed like she was just telling her her story about it or she maybe could have gone about it maybe a little bit better, but she felt hurt and she got it out of her system. And I don't think what she said was too crazy either, but I wouldn't have been kind of name calling some people when I just met them and saying that stuff. I don't know. I don't know where to put it all. Yeah, that's why I, I really don't. What, we don't... could have talked about this the last episode, I think, because it was on the yeah. last one. But like, I didn't yeah. know too much about it either. And I didn't, like, to me, I didn't care. Like, but a bunch of people did. And I was like, I don't understand. It just seems like, hey. So, wrestler one comes to new company, unhappy with treatment, unhappy with lack of being able to talk to ownership, 
and unable to talk about the job that they felt they were brought in for. That's a pretty good reason. However, going online and all that stuff, it's probably not the best way to do it because remember, everyone reads that and goes, oh, they're shitting on us. That's including Tony Khan reading that going, oh, she's shitting on us. We've kind of I talked wanted to about bring her past, in, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we talked about past wrestlers burning their own bridge when they, when they left, when it could have been easily just a detour on your road and taking that bridge back to what made you and kind of what made you happy and a lot of money that you said you took the wrong turn for. So I, yeah. yeah. The never say never guys usually do come back. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it. And, you know, never say never just means, well, if the timing's right, I'm feeling good and the money's there. Yep. We'll do it. So I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Bang and we actually talked about the Bucks twice tonight now in two different settings. That's kind of oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, this has been a very informative episode so far. I could talk about the Young Bucks all day too. So <laughs> you know what? I really love their work, uh, man. Like the minute they got out of the WWE, just from there was just wildfire. You don't remember their WWE days, do you? You're talking about the Young Bucks. They were never in. Yes, sir. You're talking about Impact. Oh, they were in Impact. No, no, no. For a very small amount of time, they were in the WWE. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on here. Let's see if we can find something from uh I don't know. I unless it was like are you talking about like wrestling underneath their name? Or like in the background. They wrestled at AEW for or they wrestled WWE for a short, short, short amount of time. I don't I don't I I could be wrong. I don't think so. I know they wrestled. I could be wrong. I could be wrong too. Don't I, I know impact generation me. Um, yeah, they did that. Sure. I don't remember any WWE stuff. Like I know, like Omega was there, but as like the in the PC. Hmm. Damn. No, it it escapes me. Now I'm gonna have to look it up real quick and see because <laughs> I'm like, huh. Let's see. And again, I could be very wrong, but I swore I saw them over there. And now I'm trying to figure this out. You thinking of the young Cardies maybe, and got them confused for the young ones? <laughs> I know, right? Right. A training and debut. I know we're uh, keeping everybody hanging right now here on this. <laughs> I, and and if, it's funny too tonight they're celebrating their what nineteenth or twentieth wrestling anniversary uh, against really, the Hardys, which is a uh, pretty cool it's happening there right now. Oh, already happened, I guess. By the time we're recording this one, unbelievable. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to look here. I am wrong. Okay, I am. Uh, I must say you could be like I. It could have wouldn't been before be I started though? following them. Uh, yeah, it would have been news to me. Like I said, you always drop news like that on me, which I had no idea on. So that's why like, I never fully uh, confident in my answers. That one no, I was pretty fine. confident with, though. That one I was no, like, that's, yeah. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Wow. <laughs> there are some interesting things out there. I'm kind of looking under, uh, let's see, Matt used, to, Matt used to wrestle under the name Mr. Instant Replay. Did you know that? Back This was way back when they were like, Backyarders, I think, in their own. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, this was under a company called High Risk Wrestling. They was they were there for four years, from 04 to 09. Nick was called Slick Nick. <laughs> wow. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm looking, looking, looking. I don't see a damn thing here. All so right here. Here's what I'm talking about: the PWG years. Ah, yeah, some of the best shit out there, dude. That's those are the years where bucks were just when it comes to physicality peak because they were young and they were able to just jump and fly everywhere. And uh, they had more in their gas tank at that time than they do now. You know, they're a little they're like middle aged bucks. Yeah, right. Uh, so I don't know, but 
I had to check it out real quick because I'm like, oh my god. Now what's going on in my head is who was the young team that I watched that was gone after just a couple matches that flourished afterwards? And in my head, I cannot think of who that was now. Because for the longest time, I thought it was them. Mm, I'm, gonna wow. have to, I'm gonna have to think about it. No, it's okay. Know. I'll figure it out one day. <laughs> All right. So uh Bussy versus Bang and Matthews, the used to be bang bros bang and matthews are out the first of many fuck chicago chants goes out into the crowd Uh oh you're gonna make me redact that name we we can't get sued too so uh i'm gonna have to edit that one out uh we'll be okay (laughs) they ain't taking much that's for sure we'll be fine they can take my bad credit (laughs) that's right yeah they can take it all they can take all my shit uh so yeah we had fuck chicago chants i thought that was really cool and both uh, Bang and Matthews played up to it quite a bit. Uh, Effie does the Bang thing because they can't. He's making fun of them. I thought that was kind of funny. Effie started out with some amateur wrestling moves tonight. I don't know if he was just taking himself seriously or what it was, but it did look good. The bros were being booed a lot, but they did a great job fighting together the whole time. There was a nice spot where Effie held August in the air and passed him off to Allie to finish his suplex. My thing here was that i think the first half of the match was one person in the ring while basically they're eating the tag team moves of the other team so it was like two on one two on one two on one second half of the match the rules just completely fell apart there's now the spears tower is that the new name for ride the bus what's it called ride the bus they do the little wheelbarrow thing yeah, it's uh that one was rather bus. Is it Spears Tower or Sears Tower? Because like the Spears, Chicago. Spears, S P E A R. Yeah, like because the end of that move is a spear. Yeah, spear. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. The last two shows that I've seen them in, they've called it the Spears Tower instead. I never caught the name of it, so that's yeah, a good catch. I didn't know. That makes yeah, sense. I, so I'm I'm just learning. I might have to reach out and be like, why did that one change? Because I thought it was just called Ride the Bus. Like, there's nothing in that that's bad. Oh, the Bang Bus. I bet you they. I bet <laughs> Probably, you that's yeah. why they changed it. Yeah, then wow. yeah, the Spears Tower kind of goes with the Sears Tower in Chicago. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I didn't catch the Spears part. Mm-hmm. Now I'll tell you this much right now, though. If commentary had the proper notes, all this stuff that we're learning that could be conveyed during the show. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I'd put in my notes if I were an announcer. I mean, or commentary. If I was commentary, that's something like some of these things are kind of cool to put in. Um, Allie was very busy in the second half of the match, and she did a lot of work. Effie had gotten beaten around quite a bit, and it was Allie's time to shine. She did a damn good job. The ending was as such. Allie sets up Davey on her shoulders. Effie goes up to the top rope turnbuckle and delivers a super sack rider. Our winners in this one were Bussy. I'm just going to give my little thing out there so I can get it out. Somewhere energy was missing. You could see it when they came out. I don't know what it is. I don't know where. My intuition is what I follow a lot. It's probably not always the best thing to do, but I felt something or someone was off. You don't have to agree. I'm just saying from my perspective, I watch them come out. I watch, I'm like, I don't know. Either they're not having as much fun or they're just uninspired or something happened or you know one of them kicked their foot on the way out and <laughs> said a bad word that the other one got offended by like it could have been anything i don't know but it just it just didn't look like ali felt it at all you could see it in her face on the entrance at all didn't feel it and i'm like what the heck's going on 
See, I didn't catch any of that. I actually kind of enjoyed this match um, from Team Bussy's perspective because in ring, they're that's kind of like the in ring I've been wanting to see from them. Like in yeah. the, the last couple matches where I've talked about Ali's too, like that's the kind of that's the side of Ali that we need to see more of to get her back on her. I'm gonna cut you and be everyone be afraid of me kind of way. I enjoyed this match from Team Bussy in ring's perspective, um, and yeah, banging uh, Matthews kind of. It feels a little like during this match, like it's still they still did all their stuff, but it felt a little off. It feels like I mean, it, their, some of their identity was taken away, but it felt like they kind of felt a little. You could tell, I for me, I could tell it looked to me that they were a little bothered by kind of everything that was still kind of going on with all that stuff going around them, and they had to kind of change up some things. Even though like their in ring was mostly pretty good, but it to me it felt like they kind of felt not on the same page. A little bit into something off. That's how I felt from them and not Team Bussy. But I enjoyed uh, the teamwork that Team Bussy did. And once again, another great in ring performance by them and uh, a pretty big vic- uh, a victory over Bang and Matthews. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, they did a damn good job out there. I, uh, I was wondering how they were going to approach the whole situation with copyright and whatnot. Um, the Bussy situation, like I said, I just, I don't know. My read was something was off. I don't know what it was. I don't know what the situation is. And I hope there's nothing there. I mean, they do have fun. Um, they are somewhat predictable and you know what you're getting. That's something that I'm hoping somewhat at times may be taken away by having more in-ring wrestling because people forget when Bussy held the fucking titles, they were incredible together. And it's very rare that we see that caliber and level of match. And I think with the level of wrestlers that both Ali and Effie are, I think it's time that we either get a strap on one or both of them. I've said it before with the whole situation of the women. I'd like to see Ali carry it if it's a woman. And it's been a while. I'd like to see someone who's established come in and take that championship off of Blake and uh, somebody we can all really rally behind. That's what I'm looking for in my next champion. And Effie would definitely get the crowd rallying behind him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We like I said, and I see. I feel like I'm repeating myself. He he doesn't need it, but he can really do something wonderful with it. Yeah, I I think there could be a lot of fun stuff too with him as champion. And that will lead us to our main event of the evening, which was the GCW champion, Blake Christian, defending the world title against Speedball Mike Bailey. This is a main event. This is the one of these main events. And I'm glad fucking Blake said something afterwards, that he's finally uh-huh. in the fucking main event as a champion. I've been saying that this is since he's been champion and they don't put him on the main event. I've been saying this. I'm gl- so glad he finally called it out. But I also think his match with Gringo, I don't know if that was the main event, but that's also a big name, GCW. That, that should have been. If, if it event, wasn't, yeah. it should have been. The Speedball event definitely, or the Speedball match was definitely main event worthy. And yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the main event, Blake and Gringo. Yeah. But so, so I wonder if he was actually speaking to Brett or if he was just expressing his in a nice. You know, sometimes people grab a microphone and when they turn to say something to the promoter, they mean it because they have the microphone in their hand. And I'm like, hmm, you know, and and he's not the one saying it. He's like, hey, but, you know, he could have said, like, other people have been saying this. And finally, thank you for doing it. Like, he's kind of I think we said it, didn't we? Oh, I've I've said it a few times. Like, why? 
if you're gonna have your champion on the card and like that, like the other, the, well, I forgot whatever show it was the, the other match was the main event. I'm like, that didn't make any sense to me. You got your champion, and this is the time to build him into someone that's going to carry your company, but you don't even trust him enough to put him as the main event and the focal point of your shows. That it's saying a lot to Blake Christian. So I, I love. We always say I hate him getting on the damn mic. This was one of those times. I'm glad he did it because. He spit out some facts and truth. And I'm glad he did because it, and it worked out heel sense. And that's what a heel would complain about. So in re- and all the story and all that stuff, it all worked together. But I also think name value other than that gringo one, Speedball Blake Christian should be a main event, especially if someone's, a t- if it's for the championship, those are two names that have to be in a main event for that championship. You could not put that anywhere else on the card and have that be any, like form of reasoning right or at all like i don't I, it just makes complete sense for them to have that match as the main event all right so you've announced the main event correct okay perfect blake christian main event main event blake how about that <laughs> all right so i will say up front this was a 23 and a half minute match and for me personally i came alive in this main event for me this was the best match of the night I felt like this was the best performance of the night. This gave me some questions. So I'll just go ahead and just say that referee Adam Galt went out to the ring as our senior uh, official. He has his hands full with Blake, and we find out later he really has his hands full in this match. But Bailey's back now for another title shot. When will Mike win that freaking championship? And why isn't Bailey our championship? Our champion. <laughs> I'm gonna contradict myself and like that's why I was like, why is Masha getting one? Even though Blake just had one during Masha's reign, or uh, uh, Blake, uh, sorry, Speedball had one during Masha's reign. Speedball's been overdue for a title shot, in my opinion. Like I, I think we were talking about this last episode. Where, like after his five, six, seven, eight, ten great matches when he first came back to the states in GCW, I'm surprised they didn't give him a title shot then because he was one of the best wrestlers in the world and probably the hottest wrestler in the world putting on non-stop great and excellent matches that's been talked around and then that's right around the time he got signed by impact so um that i thought that should have been the time to kind of give uh speedball the title or get at least a title shot so if he didn't get any during all these times and he just earned or had two the last uh couple months within each other i'm all for that because he's a talent that's definitely earned that so i'm that's why i'm not gonna get mad at speedball getting the title shot so fast because i agree with you he should be I think he should have been the champion back then, but him and Moxie would have been a great matchup for the belt. Even I, I, I think they kind of missed out. Uh, wait, did Moxie go against Speedball? No, I, Ooh, um, that might be, I'm thinking a Revolver show. Revolver. That's mm-hmm. when they went against each other. But oh, that's right. Yeah, it's like oh, it was a while ago. But they yeah. capitalized on they capitalized on that match where GCW did it. So I, I think that um, I've seen that. A I agree times, with you. By the way. Mm-hmm. seen a couple matches capitalized on that should have been jumped on yeah i agree with you outside, those should have been that, cruel and sawyer record going at it and i'm just like wow that would have been one you know yeah cruel's a free agent right now yep and so. maybe maybe he will come in at uh what's it called to make a splash homecoming. homecoming maybe he's like he'll make a surprise just well, destruct everyone and destroy everyone. I hope it's not during that damn Lucha scramble. Oh, if, he, if, if that screw scramble <laughs> match gets messed up in any way, Mason, Blake, Cruel, anyone, I'm going to be angry. Like that yeah. one, I just want, that's a match. Just let it breathe. Let it, let just, it go. Just give me, just give me uh, 
one one entry and i'd like to put in there though with all those i want sam stackhouse <laughs> i want one wall that those guys can just use <laughs> to run up run around i want someone strong enough to throw all the luchadors around I, all of it would just be wonderful <laughs> all right so blake was out next got a new haircut looking snazzy fucking with the crowd as always i'm anticipating a fast pace and athletic belt and uh i really got that here blake was getting announced and steps out of the light i wanted to just kind of mention that for a minute uh you want to kind of stay in the light if you're being announced, especially as the champion, um, it was just kind of funny. He walks towards the outside of the ring to be on camera and he's in shadow. So um, Mike blindly takes a surprise double foot stomp to the back. We've got let's go speedball chance coming from the crowd. Speedball sucks. We're getting back and forth. It's just crazy. Um, hard hitting affair early is what I have here in my notes. I like Bailey's style and he carries more strength in that body than I'd previously thought possible. Um, a lot of fighting outside of the ring. Blake at one point says, I'm sorry, Veda, and then runs Mike's nuts into the corner post. Nice touch. I like how he was like pointing down to like at the ref, like, hey, look, my nuts, get it. Stop this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you see this? Um, <laughs> uh, halfway through the match, and I'm so much more interested in this than most of the others on the show at this point. I was just, I was so happy with what was going on and developing that I was like, I had to put it in my notes to say something. There was a fun spot with the trading of chops. Mike laughs at Blake as he's chopped <laughs> and um, Mike's chest is basically completely red. And this still ends up bringing up speedball chants from the crowd. Bailey was grabbing the referee, Adam Galt, and being pushy. Blake accidentally hit the ref accidentally. Cool. And uh, yeah, somehow. So there's a nice spot here where Mike grabbed the championship belt and threw it on the stage. Blake grabs it and poses with it towards the camera. It was kind of Hollywood-like, as you can see. Mike climbing up the stage slowly behind and walking up and around. And then... Um, it was fun. It's just like we had little drama, little motion going on. Yeah, both fight on the stage. Blake ate a nasty pair of knees to the chest. Bailey moonsault off the stage directly above the positively no stage diving sign. And it didn't say anything about a moonsault. I'm just looking <laughs> at it that way. He didn't dive. No, exactly. Uh, minutes later, Galt is still down on the mat. He gets up and counts uh, close three that almost gave us a new champion, uh, but it didn't happen. The fans were definitely invested, though. Blake eats a super kick that knocks him into the ref. Galt down again. Blake uses the opportunity to hit Bailey with a low blow. Blake with a face stomp into the mat for the win. Our winner here, Blake Christian. Before I hand it to you, I'm going to say this once again. Fans were booing before the three counts after the curb stomp that lets me know that the fans have bought into the curb stomp as a legit finisher this is probably the third time i've seen him deliver the curb stomp then he turns him over and before the ref has his hand down on two the fans are booing because they know the match is over that's awesome and it should stay like that until whoever he's going to lose it to as a face kicks out of that with that one count and the fucking crowd goes nuts and gets the momentum to for a new champion that's how I, that's how i would kind of book that move to keep it strong because yeah if you're getting that reaction the mm -hmm. ultimate like opposite reaction when it's going to happen is going to 
be a move, I think. I think um, it's going to be pretty cool if it gets done the right way. But oh, I, it's, I, it's a it's it's Blake's DDT right now. When he puts yeah. it on, it's over. Yeah, and it's it's good. I kind of like. I hope it does stay that way. Um, one thing for Blake I saw was a bunch of new moves. Like he was acting way more heelish in his moves. Like even like that hold to the outside and kind of grabbing his legs to pull Mike down even further down on his nuts. Uh, was something <laughs> different we ever seen from him. And but his intensity, the intensity was there. I didn't see as much as the cockiness, which I'm kind of glad because he mm-hmm. knew he, like in storyline you got to take speedball a little bit more serious and. You wouldn't add a priest, so you can't sit there and fool around. So that's one little detail I uh, enjoyed with this match is how they put kind of that together. Um, and I was actually surprised that the outside, other than the stage dive, I was kind of hoping for at least one stage dive. So that spot I don't mind, but mm-hmm. they were actually out there for a little bit more time than I kind of was hoping for, expecting for them being so good in the ring. I thought they could have told an old classic kind of like wrestling match for GCW, kind of throwing out a different stylistic matchup, but. Uh, everything that Speedball has been doing outside of the ring, especially as a heel, I've been <laughs> enjoying as well. And that goes to my other nose, like Speedball, total opposite this time, just begging for the fans' forgiveness. And when he was in New York with <laughs> Yoshiiku, just beat the shit out of him as a heel. Like and everything that Blake did, you just see like Speedball, like help, like help me. Like I really enjoy him as a face, but I kind of agree with you. I think you said it before. I could be saying. Like, I thought you said this at the 4th of July show, like, last year, when uh, he went, or not, not that exact show, but that JCW show where he played heel um, against, I want to say it was Axe and Ray, but, like, mm-hmm. I love heel speedball. Like, it's a good yeah. version of him that I do like seeing because that intensity is something with his karate character. I could, it brings more realism to me, and I could kind of see him being the cocky uh, dojo <laughs> dojo owner of I could kick anyone's ass. Watch me, but actually oh, be able to do that it. would be so funny <laughs> as he gets older. Yeah, um, we have a little cobra action going on. It'd be great, <laughs> right? He gets a dojo, and when he was laughing at the chops too, uh, taking the chops. That was playing, awesome. Pretty funny. I, I enjoyed this match. It was a great main event. Something that I, this. These types of matches are what I want to see with G, uh, Blake's GCW title run. Face the speedballs. Have great in-ring matches. Face the Jordan Olivers. Maybe face the Gage. Face Mansmore. Face all these GCW names that you still have avoided. Like that's kind of why I started hating them back in the first place. He was calling out all these people that weren't GCW people, and then him, him defending the title against non-GCW people. That's what I've been kind of most upset at. So I'm all for these kind of matchups in his title run. Even though he won it by the way he won it, which is perfect. That's how he needs to win them to stay uh, over as a heel and still maintain his championship by winning those matches with those t- tactics. I'm for it. And I liked his little trash talk too with Veda uh, going into And I love Veda's <laughs> commentary during this match too. It adds kind of like a little bit more emotional having his wife uh, uh, talking about talking about them. Yeah, it just adds that fun little dimension to it. And she plays into it so well. Oh, she can, whenever it's time for those spots, she does hit those spots very well. All right. So after this match, Blake grabs the mic. He says he's tired of the fans talking shit. He's finally happy. He's a champion on the main event. That's where he kind of turned over and was saying something. I found that very interesting. Out comes Jeff Hardy. Blake complains and says he's the best. Tells Jeff to get backstage and get ready for his shit show. Jeff, uh, Jeff asks, who are you? And then the fans chant, who are you? (laughs) 
Blake says to get out of the ring or he will delete Jeff. Masha comes in for behind for a blind shot. Blake turns and eats a twist of fate. Masha beats Blake's ass all the way to the back. Gage's music then hits. Jeff was waiting in the ring for Gage. <laughs> MDK chants from everyone. Detroit fans handling the entrance without any fuckery. That's what I was talking about earlier, where it was kind of kind of calm. The front row camera side barely clapped or cheered. Some didn't even stand, which was odd. Um, Gage is doing his best to get the crowd to make more noise. And I'm sure you probably saw that too quite a few times. He's like, come on, come on, because yep. he just wasn't able to draw that noise. Either they were tired or, you know, maybe they've been drinking. <laughs> you never know. And of course, man, it's Detroit. You got to be doing some drinking. Uh, are we... I don't know how to say it because I was trying to figure it out. I hit this question on Brett on Patreon. I asked him, I said, look, I, I see the average age at the show somewhere between 25 and 40. What is there that can be done to get the age of 16 to 25 in the door? And um, I'm curious to see what he says about that. And the only reason I brought that up was because you know, I asked my kid and, you know, the family and everybody that goes and they're like, there's just so many options for entertainment right now that wrestling just isn't at the forefront like it was for us. You know, they're not waking up on Saturday morning and, you know, it's on TV. That's or the whatever. only thing to watch because <laughs> that's the only fucking thing on. And uh, yeah, and it's just weird. I wonder if we're like the last gasp because I, our generation is the last gasp because I look around. And I just don't see the kids like I used to. I'm not seeing the wives in the crowd like uh, like wrestling used to have. And so I figured, why not at least ask the question? I'll be curious to hear what he has to say. Maybe they have made some changes that are incoming. Maybe, you know, I'm sure they've thought about, hey, how do we get more butts in the seats? And it's not hard to just go, hey, let's hook the dad. Because if you hook the dad, you're probably going to get the kids. And that means the wife's coming along, too. So you hook one guy, you get four seats. Every company should be targeting families at some point. Now we can't always do that because that means we can't have real GCW. And I'll but, have us and out, out of all the companies, GCW. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what's funny about that is you know Yoshihiko is a good example of how the GCW fans can harness and really. Um, I'm trying to think of a good word for word for it, but they're able to take a Yoshihiko and like believe in it and love it just for the match. Like, you know, play into it. I don't see why they don't bring like, you know, the giant Panda over here, like something fun, even for kids and have them just kind of wrestle, you know, at Christmas time, bring fucking Santa Claus out and have him deliver a stunner, you know, little things like that. I just, I know it sounds corny and I'm not saying, Hey, like, let's just get all kids in the door. But I'm saying, is there an incentive for a 16 to 18 year old kid to come to this show? And what would it be? I think uh, it can't be our women. I'm about to say it's a, it's like, not because because boys they're coming usually for the women or for the excitement. We've got the excitement. I'm thinking well, if you're trying to get like let's say someone's not into wrestling or maybe like is interested in seeing it, but hey, like it looks cool, but I'm not into it. Mm -hmm. For that age, I think like they. Younger adults, teenage young adults to teenagers, GCW is the perfect company because that's what I think. People don't want to go to like nowadays, these kids don't want to go to a show and kind of just oh, watch like 
they want to be a part of it. They want to feel. They want to move. They want to do stuff. They can't just sit there for three hours. They want to stream. They want to take video. Exactly. And GCW, you got to get the hell out the way. The cra- the the wrestlers literally bump into you. You could go say hi to them later. Like they GCW offers, I think, a different experience for family fans just in general. But like even for kids, like or not kids, but just younger younger fans to yeah. be a part of the show that makes them want to go back to the next show to be a part of it again and be like in the show, not just at the show. And so I think that's the GCW would hit on the younger adult fans and stuff like that. Like for kids, kids, like I I don't think there is going to be anything, but I mean, we've seen kids that show. Like, I think my kids are show like, and I see other kids at shows. They're, some of the kids are really cool into kids. It. Like the fuck you get yeah. kids to flip off. Like your yeah, like, kid, your kid doesn't <laughs> hold back, man. He's not gonna let anybody push him around. No, we let him be a part of the show because that yeah. gets him into it more to get him to want to go back to another one. Because if he just sat there, like I think I brought it up on like the LA show, like he fell asleep. Like, <laughs> hey man, <laughs> but that's a kid though. <laughs> and yeah, a long ass drive, like and all this stuff. It had nothing to do with the energy of the crowd. It was just like. It was the drive. No, he was so tired. He slept through all that screaming and yelling. <laughs> right, exactly. Hey, but, I, I get it, man. He's a kid. But I think just in general, to get new fans, I, it's, I don't think, I, for GCW to get non-wrestling fans, I mean, I have seen non-wrestling fans go to GCW shows and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And only like GCW only because that's what they're into. They don't want to watch the WWE and all that other stuff because it doesn't feel personal to them and it kind of feels kiddish where i think this kind of leans away from the kids because it feels hey there's not going to be kids here so i'm able to do all these things say anything i want push nick gage on his entrance and start a mosh fit like there's no kids here i have to worry about so i think it kind of is like the opposite where fans will lean like the older the gcw is kind of for the older fans but if they want to catch like those teenagers or younger fans to get into wrestling i think they are the company that you want to take those possible new fans too because they would get more invested into the show because they feel part of it instead of at it um the reason why i brought that up was because we had billy and nick wayne for the past year year and a half what two greater examples or kids or of that age group that people would have gotten behind nick wayne's like you know the good looking guy he's doing his thing he's in the ring he's got a legacy people want to get behind him the girls like him the guys want to be him that old adage then you have billy on her side who's just lovable in on in all directions she's kind she's always smiling she's got a good use of color people like her um those were two people right there that if done right could have been ridden harder to bring in that age group but i don't think it's able to be done because if it is more independence would do it and then you're also taking what makes gcw away from away. gcw to watering it down to get to the kids yeah that's just my opinion on it like no, I, I mean it's, i think if parents like if parents are fucking parents and can explain to the kid like i could see why an adult like oh i'm not taking my kid who loves wrestling to that show look at all the bullshit that they got to do Fucking be a parent and talk to your kids and explain to it and see what happens. Take them to it and let them make that decision. Like instead of you just kind of withholding it. But I don't know. Like I get it too. Like I, I even for deathmatch, I don't want my son either. So yeah, I know for cars that or venues that will have a deathmatch. I know for sure we ain't 
he's not going to that or we're sitting up on the stage or somewhere nice and safe. So it yeah. does kind of affect the actual product to kind of lend or gear towards kids and stuff like that. Hmm. What was your thoughts on Jeff Hardy coming out? Did you think he was going to challenge either Blake or Nick for a match? Because that's what I know. I, no. yeah, I felt, I felt I, like uh, here's what's going on. I think he's on. Um, I think physically he doesn't have the best of all bodies for knocking around. And my concern is just like Moxley. Khan probably doesn't want him coming down to take a bump that might hurt him when he's got a match against the Young Bucks and yada, yada, yada kind of shit. And I kind of get it. You know, you're not going to go take your Ferrari out on an alleyway and drive it 300 miles an hour. And I, I get that. Yeah, I I thought a twist of fate or something like that would have been it. I didn't even expect didn't even think that. It would have been I, cool if Swanton came out, but I didn't expect any contact. I was like any physicality, yeah. like him getting physical. I was like, that's what like him coming out. He seemed happy the way he talked. He's kind of seemed like he was leaning like, hey, I never really got this independent wrestling kind of stage. I kind of went right to the big thing. You guys are fucking cool. This seems like it felt like, hey. I might have one more match, one to match in me here in GCW. Like I thought with Blake, I didn't think he was going to come out and mess up Blake with him. And Nick Gage came out and he still was in the ring. I was like, oh shit, is this going to be the, the, what's it called match for homecoming weekend? But obviously, I, I, if I had to put money on no way they're going to get, I love your idea. Yeah. I wish I wish I would have thought of it first. Damn. The way Jeff one. was just talking and acting and looking and just kind of the way Blake sat there and Nick sat there, it kind of just felt a little like ominous to me, but I, I five, enjoyed this five experience. years earlier, five years earlier. And I'd be asking for him to take the GCW title. Oh yeah, definitely. Five <laughs> years sure. ago. Yeah. The, the five years ago, Jeff Hardy, totally. Oh man. Imagine if he just had one match in GCW right now, that would be fucking insane. Him versus champagne. C H A M P A I N. Hardy's versus Express Express. Let's go. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um. I don't know. There's still little things here and there. Like I'd like to see a bigger ring. Every now, you know, it's not easy to watch a guy coast to coast and only jump eight feet. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a joke, but you know what I mean. Like you shouldn't have two wrestlers be able to lay down and hold hands and be able to be both have their feet underneath the ring. Like. So I know these smaller venues don't always allow that, but maybe it's time for some bigger venues. Maybe, you know, when they, when they shadow SummerSlam, when they come out to Las Vegas, and maybe it's time to get those bigger venues. They're hitting, God, they're hitting higher capacity. SummerSlam that weekend, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. maybe they should have gotten to a place that had more floor capacity and, a, you know, could fit a larger ring. Yeah. Oversight. oversight. That's what I'm saying with the same thing with, uh, you know, we were talking about L.A. and how he's like, well, you know, I don't want to go outside of the UCC because, you know, we have a good relationship with them. And and if I do get a bigger building, does that mean more people will come? That's what Brett said. And I'm sitting here like uh, probably another 75 to 100 would show up just for the death match. Aspect. I was just about to say, if you make it to a venue and advertise like the first match death match, I guarantee you that venue is going to outsell UCC with one death match only being announced. Nothing else that will yeah. outsell UCC just because people in L.A. are going to see GCW no matter what. And then those fans that they lost because of the lack of death matches, as soon as they see that death match announced. All those guys will be right back in there. I see it every time. I see them at the shows, and then as soon as I get home, I see them on Twitter bitching about GCW as a company. But you're having the time of your life three hours ago. 
at the damn show. So <laughs> those fans will be back. They they want to talk all that shit and look tough online and represent another company, but they'll be yeah, right but back. Yeah, but that's that's an indicator of an inward problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying like, like a, those like other I, fans will be back though for the, the oh, matches. I'm just saying it's theater. Go ahead, tell me otherwise, dude. If somebody gets mad, you have to explain to them you're watching some Shakespeare ass theater with some physical wrestling, bro. Just get over it. Like really, I mean, if someone is that pissed off about something they watch to that degree, maybe their life needs to be changed to things that are like, if they had to go track a deer and fucking kill it and drag it home three miles every day, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have time to sit online and bitch about like, that's such a first world problem. <laughs> you got to just enjoy yourself. I mean, bitch and bitch. And bitch. Yeah. Well, I saw someone make a good comparison. Like taking it personal is fucked up. Yeah, like it's like they go to the Barbie movie and expect an Oppenheimer, and then they don't see it, and then they come back out like, where the fuck were the bombs at in Barbie? It's like, do you not know where you went to? Do you not know yeah, like, what yeah, you're spending yeah. your money on? Like, pay attention to the product you're spending your money on and go with it, and don't spend your money to it, and then come back home and bitching. Like, I I don't know. Like, well, that's, that's why we kind of talk I, about what goes on, and then we talk about some speculative things yeah. on the side. Because it's really hard to review a show on expectations. You, you can't do that. It's like, okay, someone made vanilla pudding, and you're like, well, I was expecting butterscotch, so this shit sucks. Well, no, it's vanilla, and you're supposed to judge it as such, not judge it based upon what you expected. And I understand people have expectations. We all do. But, like, again, taking things personal is really weird. Like, getting online and disrespecting someone over theater wrestling is opinion on something yeah it's it is a little much and like i said maybe it's just because i've been lucky but we've been very fortunate not to have people just raw on us and we're just and it's just fans you know so it i do find it interesting i think there are people i don't know how many of them there are that if they weren't bitching about wrestling they'd probably be complaining about something else small that oh, yeah. touches their heart in their life because that's what it's doing when they're upset like that. It yeah. touch, it's touching their heart. It's hitting them in the feels, which is yeah. what wrestling's supposed to do. It's just the way they're processing the feels is a little too <laughs> But, you know, they could be even more awkward and start podcasts. What? Like us. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was our winner. Blake Christian, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, I really wish I had the imagination to go, hey, I think that... Uh, you know, Jeff Hardy's going to this and that. I didn't even think that way. I, it was I just, just, I think that far out of my head. Because I like, John that, was a, that was a thought that came in my head. There's no way I was expecting it, but I was like, what is he in the ring still for? Like, it just made me think like, oh, that'd be cool if it happened. And like, I did have yep. a second, but like if I had to put money on, hmm. putting money on uh, Jeff Hardy appearing in wrestling and GCW, especially nowadays. But I think it was a great way to introduce him to at least show up and appear on the card. He got yeah. to do, got to get physical, get play Christian, and got to get apologize for a fan too. I think that, that I think that's probably what meant a lot to him was able to get a, get out in front of Mike and live audience and hey guys, I fucked up, I apologize. Like even though that's a lot of like a lot of times he fucked up, but at least he finally got the opportunity to go out there and say it. And I think that meant a lot to him. I think that was cool that GCW was able to once again give him that platform to sit there and do that and have a pretty cool moment in Detroit. And I think it was pretty cool for all those fans. Uh, to get a Jeff Hardy sighting and seeing him get physical with Blake Christian for even for one move. 
Well, he wasn't no champagne, but it was definitely a good thing to see uh, Jeff Hardy over. I almost said champagne. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what my we should call this episode champagne. P-A-I-N. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I don't know. It's been fun that every time I say his name, I spell it. I, I don't know. I just I love his gimmick that he has. And, you know, it's it's imperfect in a perfect way. I don't know. Um, you want to do some memorable moments? That yeah. sounds wonderful. It is getting late and that sounds good right about now. Do you want me to pop mine off? Or you want to pop yours off? What do you- yeah, you could go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. Um, my first one, since we were just talking about it, the Jeff Hardy appearance at Game Changer Wrestling. It was kind of funny. If you listen really close, he said Game Changing Wrestling. Uh-huh. I muted myself there. Yeah, I saw that. Too. I was like, ah, I was waiting for Nick I Cage. Like, it's shit. Game Changer, motherfucker. Shit. I was waiting for him to, like, to fix him up and change it just to joke Aww, around. To finally, like, great. You're only getting that one shot to have a cool moment with Jeff Hardy. And uh, uh, that's why I would have done it if I would have <laughs> caught that. That's, I said the same thing, like, game changer come on say it took a little air out of his balloon in my mind that a little bit when yeah. he said that because i'm like oh that's oh uh, you don't cool really guy. know the like, problem know where yeah. the fuck he's at yeah i kind of i add that a little bit too yeah i'm like well hold on a minute so so what it says is if you can't get the name right you don't know shit about my product <laughs> go on that's what i you know what i mean it. that's you know <laughs> and that's where I, that's yeah on my podcast I'm i can't wait to see this tweet no <laughs> oh, it's gonna be huge uh the main event just being goddamn wonderful from beginning to end and being the type of hard hitting match that I wish I seen more of on this show because it was really, really each match had their own thing. But if I had a little more of what this main event had in one, another spot or two somewhere on the card, I would have called this card complete. Um, lastly, just researching Ribera. I've sat here and watched those jackets come across my TV since I was very young and had absolutely no understanding about any of it until I got a little older. And then I found out I didn't know jack shit until yesterday when I wrote this out. (laughs) So I'm really happy and I'm hoping that there are some hardcore fans out there that it kind of fills a little hole in their head of what Ribera is, what it's about, how it was found, who found it, you know, Bruiser Brody, you know, just just a very important Hall of Famer. So you educated me. So you educated at least one fan out there. And then Harpo's just knowing that Harpo's was uh, and is a cool historical spot for rock and roll and hip hop acts. You know, that's uh, uh, those are mine. Uh, some of mine were Jordan being in the scramble and picking up the victory. I was happy on uh, seeing violence is forever. Finally, in GCW and of course, their first match against Los Macisos. I'm in. Violence is forever killed it. They belong, and I can't wait to see what they do in GCW. Hopefully, moving forward. Uh, for me, Sawyer Wreck and Pero having just one brawl that I enjoyed the shit out of, and um, interested to see what happens on Homecoming with that storyline. Uh, Mance Warner, John Wayne Murdoch, they just they need to have a feud. That SGC match and uh, Rejects was fun, as you said, brawl all over the the theater, which was. What the fans wanted to see, I enjoyed that a lot. And the main event was a main event match. That's that's two wrestlers. They had an incredible match. That's how GCW main events should be, is with your champion representing the company in a great title match and title defense as Blake did beat Speedball. But um, having Jeff Hardy come out the end and interact with Nick Cage was pretty cool and memorable to me. That's something I won't ever forget is Jeff and Nick Cage kind of having a nice in-ring moment. Hell yeah. Touch, a touching moment. Yeah, which is kind of surprising from Nick and uh, Jeff, I guess you could say as well. 
I don't know. It's like having your dad come out and meet your favorite teacher. Like there's something about it, you know, um, kind of funny, but kind of scary. I'm going to show it on my screen real quick here to you. Um, I was talking about those metal bands, right? As we were listing them, my phone as the first, uh, article on Google is, uh, the best 15 metal bands of all time. Now we shouldn't start a podcast on it, but I have a feeling my phone was listening to me and targeted me with an ad right there. I don't have half those that well now I do, but before I didn't have any of those apps that listened because of that exact reason. But now I got that yeah. TikTok, Instagram. My phone's always listening to me. I love TikTok though. I don't give a damn. I still they're got, not gonna have a message. They're not gonna so get much. me on any. Um, they're not gonna get me on anything. Like you know what I mean? Like I talk to a, a handful of dads. <laughs> like, the the only thing they're going to get out of us is like sports or wrestling talk right <laughs> seriously and cornhole we talk about fucking playing cornhole that's it <laughs> real real exciting i hope we solve the world's problems on this end they are coming um, out to get you now yeah 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 they <gasps> gotta watch out no um yeah so uh basically thank you to everyone who listens before i forget um check out the gc dub podcast when they come out i think it's another week or so that's that monthly podcast they're awesome they, to us we're awesome to them so they might have some firsthand reviews from uh this show because that's who we were talking about that was at this show was the gc dub podcast um one yeah, of the hosts from jenny there. was there i don't know yeah, yeah but i don't know about the other host but i know one host was there you said um yeah uh yeah thank you everyone's listening uh the last japan show even though it was a long one we got three shows and it ended up being day one one of our highest listened to so we are still growing and it's a pretty cool scene and once again yeah every time we see that we always want to make sure uh all the listeners out there we are appreciative we do appreciate everything that you guys do uh with listening social media i've seen a couple reviews too on like spotify uh just the stars no actual reviews but we still got five stars somehow so hey, it's uh, all appreciated yeah everything is appreciated every interaction listen at all we always appreciate it it's always like oh cool i got something to do during the day let's interact with this person talk gcw online so yeah. uh thank you everyone out there and we're gonna keep on improving like uh video is coming <laughs> no, so i'm not i was Videos will come when it comes, but you know what we uh, should do. No we should we should always maybe um stream the first or the second half of our recording just like let people roll in just for fun while we're sitting there doing it that would be fun because fuck it yeah dead serious dead serious it's not like you know what i mean like we do no money we do no advertisements we do none of that stuff we just do it raw anyway we got to practice video i don't mind it yeah i don't mind at all and and that's the other thing i was saying this on the last episode um i'm pretty sure i understand this twitch thing so for the podcast in between episodes and stuff you or i or someone will try to get on and maybe watch a little wrestling so yeah we'll try to do that and if not i think i'm gonna try to get on and do a little bit so you come on talk to the podcast and say hi one or both of us will be here somewhere so yeah you'll see a little bit more activity um we are talking about making sure we do one weekly show instead of hey here comes one and Two days later comes another and then maybe it's eight or nine till the you know we're going to try to keep some continuity there too um we're both busy men and we're both hardcore fans who are trying to do what we can to put all this together so as we continue thank you so much for all of your patience and we get a lot of love 
and we get a lot of support from wrestlers, fans, promoters, you name it. They've been absolutely positive about us. (laughs) Yeah. Magazines. Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming around to a very fine little show that we're slowly piece by piece putting together into something, um, the way we want it. And, um, we've just met so many wonderful people and we get so much support. So I just want to say thank you so much for all of it because it is a pick me up on some shitty days. No lie. No lie. Some of the likes really matter. Some of the kind words matter. The DMS that we get from for wrestlers, referees, managers, owners. Hey, thank you so much for covering the show. Thank you so much for so many nice things constant thankfulness from so many people and, and we're thankful for it back yeah and uh one little thing too like, i could think perch uh listen uh responded the other day hey, to, perch. Like, it, well, yeah, hi perch <laughs> um i forgot what it was like he like kind of like corrected not corrected us but like maybe uh informed us a little bit better about something i think it was um i forgot one of the shows that had to be the new york show or no the japan show about the uh-huh. fans and stuff like that so that was pretty cool him yes. coming on and telling us and kind of giving us about what the what they kind of noticed and see out there and felt while they're out there performing so that was always pretty cool too and yeah the, anyone at these shows and everything like after these uh shows anything that uh maybe we missed on the crowd or hey we're talking about the crowd now hey, it didn't seem too loud but if you were there and it was loud send us a message but set the record straight uh, let the fans know out there that you were out there loud as a fan as well at the GCW. Yes, show. please. Cause but you yeah. don't want to let something else give you bad five. Maybe just, there was a pack of 20 people in that one area that they just, they were just, you know, chilling. I don't, yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe mushrooms hit the first couple <laughs> rows on the hard. Can- oh, PC I don't Man, know. PCP Manny showed up. What? Oh shit. IWS yeah. invasion. Like, yeah. In I shook, I shook his hand and caught a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> i haven't i'm kidding uh, but but he didn't cough on me and i was high for four days so i don't still, know i don't know he still talks in uh with us and stuff like that i and i know shit i love the dude him a lot too yeah he's a good just, guy loving his life i just love like hey i actually made a joke on his ear and he didn't like i didn't even think about it and then he's like oh it's all good i almost lost it they just sewed it back on don't worry about it and i was like oh shit yeah, i can't believe yeah. i made that joke <laughs> no not at all you know what um Again, any type of any type of people talking about you, especially about your art, you know. So, yeah, I hope that what we say, especially in the positive side, we try to stay positive a lot, gets to the right ears and gets to the right performers. And I hope that us just talking around like we are here is just like you sitting around with some friends bullshitting. Feel free to message us, DM us, whatever you need to do if you want us to talk about something, if there's something you want to talk about. If you have a question you want us to discuss, a scenario you want us to discuss, I will discuss both sides. I want to actually attack both sides of it, and then I'll tell you where I agree in the end. Because I think that when someone's listening and they want to hear someone hash it out, I think they need to hear all sides so that we don't just go, well, we believe this, fuck it, and it's over, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I, I think mean, that would be fun to logically tear with- down something. Yeah, and even with us, we see like we talk about something, we agree, disagree, we talk it out, and then like, hey, shit, almost we both switch sides again, and like we're arguing against each other on the original point. So we're always yeah. down for dialogue, and that's all. That's that's all subjective anyway. So no one's ever right, hundred percent. No one's ever wrong. Yeah, it's how and you perceive it, and how you enjoy it. It's all opinion. 
It's all opinion. Um, Outside of that, if anybody's going to the L.A. show, I will be seeing you at the L.A. show Friday night. Uh, Come say hi. I'm certainly into just having a smile and a fucking high five with you. Um, We're fans, bro. Come say hi. Give love. I always get it. I'm just saying more people, please come over and say hi. I love. I might have to hit you up on the merch. (laughs) We'll Uh, we'll see who shows up. I might be texting you. Uh, What's what's the merch look like? Actually, actually, I was gonna say if you want me to, I can take some. I know your people. If you want me to, you can write down the people you want me to look for, and I can snap some pictures right off the table, and then I can just bring them right to your house. It's simple. Awesome. Yes, I. uh, That's the one thing I'm always afraid of on these shows too. Not only missing some incredible talent, maybe some holy shit moments and unforgettable moments. Uh missing out on maybe exclusive merch uh, is always a fear of mine as well but right. i will not be at that show but uh i will be out there in spirit and i will be watching that show probably friday night i'll probably have time friday night to watch it maybe not live but at least catch it and uh enjoy because that's that la cars will be cool yeah i gotta figure out something i'm gonna i'm gonna i don't know i might do some streaming or something out there just to get some video <laughs> get something on my john wolf facebook thing or something like that maybe you know do something put it on tiktok or instagram or something <laughs> you know what maybe just uh, i might just go live on tiktok that might be the way to go because I, yeah. I really don't technically have an official tiktok it's just i have one so that when i get bored i can watch dog and wrestling fucking <laughs> and uh and amazon finds has been my other one uh oh and opening fucking clams and shit okay anyway i'm talking too much so uh no dude seriously yeah, you fucking... where did okay, this okay. show turn to no 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 no. okay here's what's up right over in china there's these dudes there's this one company i love watching right and what it is is it's a company where you can see basically their desktop and that's about it and people go to the website and they order these clams these clams they open it up and you get whatever pearls are in them they'll literally pick them out right there in front of you so you can see them they show them to you so that you can get a screen capture and everything and then they put them into a bag and you have a choice of either getting it into jewelry or just getting it cleaned and sent to you so people for 30 40 dollars which is way less than some places for even a set of pearls you can get a bunch of pearls so it's kind of cool to watch them actually like get your pearls out of the actual clam and then women will buy them because they're on discount versus pearls here. And then they'll go and take them somewhere and make them into a necklace. So because I sit with my wife, she likes to sit there and watch pearls. And so lady, they'll, the ladies will pick between one and like 12 of different kinds. And then each one has different kinds of pearls. Yeah. I'm in my forties. <laughs> Like I said, learn oh something God, new dude. every day. Dude, I watch fucking animals and like all kinds of shit. I'm I think I'm like a kid, but at the same time, I have like this boring streak in me. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so that's all I think I have to say. I'm just thankful for everyone being so fucking awesome. And we made another show happen. Yes, thank you, everybody out there. Uh yes, that this one should be out, like I said, right before LA. So uh if you're listening to this, hope you're rolling into LA and enjoying the show tonight. And uh toot toot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, it's getting to, getting late and I get loopy. It's kind of how it works. Um <clears throat> but yeah, if that shows out then that'll give me a little something to listen to on the way because um two of the two of the kids in the car especially really like listening to the show. So it'll be kind of cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hi kids. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, hi. Ah, <laughs> oh, see? See? 
And um, what else should I say? Long live. <laughs> G- 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 w. Have a great night. That was fantastic.